Bearcat Bounce Podcast, back at it again. It's a Monday, uh, another Monday following a tough loss. Another Monday following, though, an uplifting atmosphere. Another Monday where the Bearcats are still in the Big 12. Another Monday where there are still possible things to draw on and find uh, positives about, if you will. Another Monday as well where we get to mention the numerous happenings of the Bearcats in the NFL. A lot of good things happening on Sunday. And then, of course, more tonight as well. And then, of course, another Monday where we are one step closer to the start of basketball season for the Bearcats. Year one of the Big 12 on that end of things. But it is also Monday where I get to bring in my guys, pals. We're back together, one crew, one group, podcasting it up. That's right. Aaron Smith. Chad Brendel, Ryan Royer, gentlemen, how are we? Not bad. Not bad. Okay. Hanging in there. Hanging in there. Are you liking this Hanging this double there. dip on uh, Monday football? Monday night no. football? Uh, no, because we're busy. Like, I can't enjoy it, so I would rather have only one game. But, yeah, I, <laughs> I, agree. I agree. It also, you can't watch it. Like, you can't, like, with Sunday ticket, you don't get Monday night games. So you can't watch two on one screen using the Sunday uh, ticket like you can on Sunday using the Sunday ticket. So it makes it all a complete waste for the Sunday ticket when you have two games on Monday night. It's stupid. You don't need two games on Monday night. I mean, that's the main thing, too. Like, why not stagger it? Like, one on the East Coast, one on the West Coast, and just, have, like, give us BBPers a, a chance to watch a late-night game. Like, give me then, something like that. Then you'd be up till 2. Hey, we're up till 2. Anyways, on uh, on no. Saturday nights, so no. yeah, every once in a while, yeah. Not on, not on, not on Monday. True, very true. Uh, man, but you know what? It is what it is. Chad, good to hear you're doing well. Aaron, how are we? I'm all right. It's a rainy day, gross. Um, but we'll see what the Bengals do. I'm hoping Joe Burrow doesn't get more injured. Yeah, Joe Burr, active. Joe, Joe, your limited mobility. Uh, here's Aaron Donald. Good luck. Yeah. Yep. I mean, uh, yeah. No better way to put it. Good luck. Um, yeah. I mean, Mixon, Boyd. I drink. The, the the boys were at Nippert on uh, on Saturday, so I I think maybe they were they were looking out there. They were like, you know what? Offensive line got to protect if we want to keep our quarterback up and sturdy. We'll we'll dive into that more here soon but uh yeah joey burr active check him out who day ryan how are we sir i'm good just a disappointing weekend um it's kind of a i don't know it's kind of like a gloomy on look for me on the season yeah. kind of this a sharp turnaround from two weeks um kind of in this weird kind of limbo of where are we at? Where are we going to go? Then the Reds had an historically bad performance um, just to put the icing on the cake. Now I'm hoping the Bengals wrap it up and okay. put the present right on the bow for my Cleveland Browns and just make it oh. an for three weekend. <laughs> wow. The old Sorry Brownies. The Bengals fans. Aaron. Well, I mean, shouts to us. Jerome Ford, right? <laughs> With a love. Oh, yeah. That was just. What two touchdown eight? performance. <laughs> what had like 17 yards rushing, but still two touchdowns. 
Yeah. He had, he had like 30 <laughs> yards and two touchdowns. He played wide receiver on the one touchdown. A fantasy owner's dream. I, I started him because he was – I did as well. Yeah, me too. I picked me him too. up in like the late rounds of my draft just because like, oh, he's the backup to Chubb, and I know he's obviously really good, but never, ever expected to start him. Now here we are mm. winning me a game. There we go. Drunk board. That Drunk was a board. good part of my weekend, then, I guess. Yes. I That's a positive. And, and he threw out the uh, Cats mm-hmm. by 90 on Saturday. Board did. So he's still he's still involved. Still still mm-hmm. loving the old UC. Mm-hmm. Even though a lot of people mentioned, like, Alabama running back and Cincinnati running back. That's the worst part when you when you have the old, old catch-up on who Jerome Ford is. But, you know, got to give everyone their flowers. Um, but yeah. Everything's good. Everything's good. Football is alive and well. Uh, there's a lot of things going on, and, and I tell you what, Bearcats have a quick turnaround. So we're gonna go quickly into the discussion. Hey, hey, Chelsea, Chelsea, don't worry, it's coming up. It's coming up. But uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna quickly talk about how you know you got to go out to Provo, Utah. You got you got to play the the BYU Cougs, the Cougars of BYU, and you got to get yourself Scared. ready to head out there. Ooh. Long drive I'm out to Provo, man. Long, good about that one. Hey, long drive to Provo, Ryan. If you want to, if you want to, you know, head out there in, in your vehicle, make sure you head on over to Danco Transmission and Auto Care. Get it checked up. Get the oil change before you head out there. You don't want to get stuck out in the mountains somewhere in, in, in Utah and gotta gotta drink. You know, what is it like five percent vodka or something like that? Like the the, the very very uh, low alcohol content out there in Utah. You know, you gotta make sure your car is working so you can get back to the uh, to the crazy states and. That's, head over to Danco Transmission and Auto Care. Get yourself 10% off the next fixing or $10 off your next oil change. Uh, head on over. Tell Danco Joe that uh, Ryan Royer sent you. Chad Brendel sent you. The BBP Bearcat Journal. And Taylor Swift. You mentioned her as well. Um, so, yeah. Obviously, the topic of the day that we need to mention, topic of the weekend, of course, came out. On Sunday, that uh, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey look to be pretty, pretty doggone official. Let's go ahead and just, just not, not bury the lead and just bring it out on top. And uh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna open the floor here. A lot of excitement going on around former Bearcat Travis Kelsey with the old Taylor Swift. How about that, Chad? Going to BYU. What's that? Aaron's going to be a baby. Did he say we're on to, we're on to BYU? Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I was surprised by that. I wouldn't think just based on, you know, her vibe and people she's normally with, Travis kind of sticks out in a different way. But he is good. He, he grabs you. He he's an attention grabber. You know, he, he's a cool guy. He's funny. Just he's just a fun, fun dude, you know. So I mean, even even gets Taylor to gravitate towards him. She, she's chumming it up with Donna in the in the box. <laughs> oh yeah, she was all in. I mean that's that's all dropping a let's all... f and go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After the touch, I was not expecting that. She was fully engaged. She was locked in, and she's an Eagles fan wearing Chiefs gear at the game. I I mean it's just a. <laughs> it's allowed though because the Jason and Travis like right. that's you're allowed to cross over there. Right. It's the one exception. I saw Jason to the rule quote because... tweeting. Yeah. Oh, that was so funny. Oh, so what did he like say? How... So Kelly Key from Barstool, yeah, yeah, she is like the Taylor like reporter or whatever, 
So she went on this, you know, like minute and a half. Travis is corny and he's overrated. And I da, saw da, da, that da. stupid rant. Yeah. And Jason was like, preach. Go Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I I mean, it's the thing about this is like, you know, all the Swifties, they, they don't quite know who Travis Kelsey is yet. Once, once, once he shows his charming kind of weird side, you know, I, I mean, that's, I think, she's charming and kind of weird. Like, yeah. I mean, the, the whole thing is kind of surreal. I if we're gonna completely come out and say, I mean, he he uh, he was he was a guy out there in in New Orleans getting after it, is his freshman year at at uh, at UC. You know, I, even a young Brent Young saw Travis out there. No one really knew who he was. Shouted out, "Hey, no. yo, Travis!" But uh, you know what? Here he is now, and uh, arguably the most popular person in the world. Aaron would agree to that. He said it on Saturday in the press box. He he's he's a huge fan. It's like a closet fan thing, but he's a Swifty to to a T. But uh, it truly is a surreal thing, and I just want to get that out of the way before we. I dive mean, Kelsey the other news. screamed at the top of her lungs when yeah. when it first broke that she like when the when the picture showed up in pregame that she was there. Yeah, and then last night I I was I sent Jason a text. I was like. Just so you know, Kelsey has already asked uh, if we can get you on a show this week so that she can grill you about Taylor Swift. And he just sent me back a laughing emoji like, oh, my God. I can't wait yeah. to meet Taylor Swift. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. You know what the most the most effed up thing is? That there is a non-zero chance. that. Well, that's what she's counting on now. Like, I know Jason and Travis are transferred property. There is now she has a better chance than anyone she knows. Yeah. To meet Taylor Swift. Well, well, well. Not only that, but for Taylor to possibly come to Nippert Stadium, possibly. Yeah, probably not. Maybe. I mean, less than less than more than you know. It's above zero. Pinto says, "Hey, yeah, you can come up in the suite. Let you guys enjoy, you know, a game up there. It's a non-zero chance. Before right. all this happened, it was a zero percent chance. Right. Hey." We're back to non-zero. <laughs> We're all about it. And that is talked in T-Swift. Could you here imagine Aaron in the press? Would Aaron just not come if Taylor was going to be at a game? Oh man, I think he'd uh I think he'd he'd slowly slowly warm up to it. I don't I don't understand all the about the homecoming game when they play Thursday. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be <laughs> just in general. Just in general. Well, last time, he, last time the he came to homecoming. We ran into him um, down at the banks, and it was legendary. So oh, was <laughs> it was it's trap. It was what two years oh, ago? He's the man, dude. I think it was like no, it was it was like I think it was my was it third like, year. So nineteen right before COVID. 19, yeah, before COVID, the year before COVID. <laughs> dude, he is legit. I <laughs> like, just. The boy. What was he doing? Getting after it. Yeah, just but just like, like just chopping it up with like all of us. Like fuck it. You know, it, it was like it was me because he was he was hanging out with Josiah, but it was like me, Ty Sponseller, Joel DeBlanco, Bruno Labelle, Perry. I think Perry Young was there. Tyquan stayed them. Just all of us. Uh, down at the banks, and we were, and he met up with Josiah, and he was just like talking to us like. We were his, like he's known us. We're his friend. Just super awesome, dude. Ever since then, I, 
always rooted just for him. Just not only because he's a Bearcat and a great player, but just like down to earth, great guy. Yeah, he could have big time you guys. Like, oh yeah, he could have big time the fuck out of at least me. <laughs> me and like Ty and Joel and Perry. Well, not Perry. Perry was a starter. Just the fucking, you know, you know what right. we were. <laughs> right. The Wait, damn he boys. Went from, now he's now he's with Taylor Swift, man. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy not. how things go. You're nice. You're nice to the Scrubbies. You're nice to the Scrubbies at, at homecoming in 2019, and shit goes your way. I, right. You put out. You put out the right energy into the world. Right. Right. It's, yeah. You know, I, the world gives back. They karma. Karma is the thing, and it goes both ways too. We always talk about a bad karma. That's some good karma right there. But golly, Darren, Darren's on to something. Um, what you got? Retire his jersey, like, like week the homecoming. Like, make it happen now, so that you know he gets to come on a off, like a weekend where he's off, and there's a good chance you know Taylor will come with him to see his jersey retired. <laughs> Chelsea, good job. Karma, uh, my boyfriend. I love it. Got it, but no, it, it, it truly is. Right? We had to just touch on it because every single other podcast in the world is touching on it. Even you know, Bill Belichick had a quote about it this morning. I mean, it's just it's a, it's a wide ranging thing, and and arguably that shocked me. <laughs> well, oh yeah, he was he was tuned in on that. But I also, I feel like. <laughs> that might just be one of his shows where he does. He's always done, and he's comfortable with them. Yeah, right. But I just couldn't believe he was given <laughs> given his given his opinion on that. Like the la- I just thought he would be like, I don't care. We're on to the next opponent. Um, right, right, right. Let's focus on that. I don't got. Not he's a swifty though. Like he's he's a like a noted. Like he oh, was really? at the Foxborough shows. Yeah. Yeah, oh, he's, really? well, was that because yeah. his his longtime girlfriend or whatever or was that because I mean, they broke up? Maybe Bill's trying to. Holler. I think his daughter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Andy Reid said he he hooked up Travis with with Taylor, but <laughs> yeah, I mean that's probably a all lie. the old coaches given. I thought that's great. I know. It's just funny. Yeah, and and even uh, I mean Mahomes, you know, Waving talking to about her. it too. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. like a wave on the sideline during the game. Amazing. That's how bad they beat the piss out of the Bears. No, it, oh, it was yeah. funny. Yeah. Oh, that's hi, hi Taylor. It was funny seeing people like describe it. It was like it was like a homecoming football game where you schedule some cupcake and it's like a blowout. Yeah. And so yeah. the third quarter comes and everyone's just like waving at people in the crowd, getting ready for the dance later and, and the party later. So it's like well, and yeah. you saw like the staffers on the sideline, like this Taylor Swift up there. Oh, I know that video. Read their lips. Yeah. And they're like, wait. Oh my god! And the Travis's <laughs> lips too. He was like, "Oh my gosh, she's really up." I was like, In "That video, Travis seemed like he didn't want to wave. Like he felt kind of bad that he was like." No, I think he was. You know who took the video, right? No. Walter Payton's son. So I'm guaranteeing Travis has to know Walter Payton's son, and gave him that sign. I like don't say something stupid, bro. Like don't. Wait, the one of him, the one of him walking out with her. Yeah, (laughs) dude, I think the craziest video is. Did you see the video of they put her in that popcorn? I don't think that was real, dude. If they did that, that was the funniest shit ever. Like, yeah, I saw that. They're like she's in there. She's That's in her. The pop, she's in there. The popcorn locker. They're, they're doing the thing like like when they bring her out for the concert. 
Yeah, I. I mean, I. I, I that would be a smart idea for her to do. Yeah. Like, if well, she walked out of there, she'd get attacked. And then the story about uh, her and Travis like paying for everyone's tab in a restaurant there and like t- kicking everyone out pretty much. And when and it turned out that he rented, the, yeah, he rented the restaurant for the team. <laughs> yeah. Well, That's it's it. all a storybook. I know. do that all the time for my girlfriend. It's just a love story. Spot. Just yeah. run out the precinct, just you know, casually. Could you imagine having a hundred million dollars in the bank and your girlfriend being like, "I, dude, she's like the most famous person in the world." Like her tour. Yes. yes. I think her tour was like the most famous tour that will probably ever happen. Look, whether this works or not, it's brilliant for Travis long term. Like he will be known by this? everyone. You think he's doing this for no, I think he's probably like watching. having some fun, but like if it backfires, like you're still gonna be one of the most famous people in the world. Oh yeah. Dude, yeah. the 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 Swifties are crazy, man. You probably saw it firsthand, Chad, all the ones that were out there just listening, oh, yeah. not even in there. That's the calmest group of people I've ever met. They were oh, really? so friendly and nice and like well, just like the love and dedication. Oh, yeah. When yeah. I say crazy, that's what I mean. Just like yeah. not in a bad way, just <laughs> oh man. And Travis is lovable. He's he's you know, he is who he is. Yeah, like you said, Royer, he's he's a boy, you know, he is he is a typical <laughs> football bro, you know, he's a boy, he's he's just I mean he's He's more than it though. He kind of has like a, a, an almost like an actor swaggy. Right. You know, he's just he know he he almost has a kind of like a nose for the camera. Right. He knows what to say. That's like funny. Well, like gonna, on their podcast, you could tell like he's kind of he's he's the boy, and, and Kelsey is like <laughs> you know Jason is like you know he's he's the one that's gonna kind of put together pretty intelligent sense. Not that you know what I mean. It's just. Yeah, like Travis, Travis has just got all the quotes, got all the one-liners. Just yeah, the exactly. Funny, the funny guy. Yeah. Travis was was a basketball player, and and Jason was was hockey, and and I always say that because it's a it's the perfect resemblance of of the two guys. <laughs> That's just how each one of them went. And yeah, Chelsea, I agree. That's awesome. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a it's a thing that we had to just touch on, you know, because everyone is. And I think once uh. Once the Swifties get to know Travis a little bit more, they're going to warm up to it. I think I saw a lot of people are against it, Swiftie-wise. But, hey, man, good for Travis. Keep it rolling. And there's a, the second that a picture of her rocking the sea paw drops. <laughs> the, Dude, uh, he, could have her, he could have her posted up in one of the retro ones. Ooh, throwbacks man. on Homecoming. Come on now. Come on what, now. Uh, what, what is the... What is the um fuck? What's the name? I'm blanking on the name. What we call like the forum or whatever on on Bearcat Journal. What oh, do you guys call Carson it? Field? Carson no, Field just football. Your guys chat box or your, your post forum is just gonna go absolutely bonkers over that. Oh yeah, the message like board. Taylor Swift and like in the retro '90s C-Pod Jordan Tech or something. <laughs> oh. The old, uh, the old, the old X for the Bearcat faithful will will break. Well, it'll it'll go down. Oh yeah, I, but I'm saying I I haven't even I haven't even thrown on one of those things or found one of those things to even buy. And if if you told me Taylor Swift would be rocking it before I was, I'd say you're insane. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, I'm I'm in for it. 
I'm yeah, to, be to cool. throw what and and now, like I said earlier, there's a non-zero percent chance that she's gonna be rocking the sea Paul some sometime here soon. So now that's man. something yeah. I think that that will ha- potentially happen is that you'll see her in a sea ball. Oh, I don't yeah. think you'll see her in a game. Yeah, man, Travis loves that shit. He loves repentancy. Oh yeah, yeah that's what I'm he always gets the coolest shit too. It's like, I mean. I mean, if they're Why really, like, the if cool they shit? really are dating, what did he she'll do? be in a hoodie. <laughs> she'll be in an authentic, oh, like, yeah. like the C-Paw the issued gear. Oh, yeah. Right. Little, like, one of, like, the two quarter zip. Adidas. Ew. Adidas since he football. <laughs> little, little quarter zip. Little, uh, ooh, little oh, hoodie yeah. quarter zip. Mm. One of those. Ooh. Yeah, okay. I'm I'm getting a little too excited. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, we're going a little far into this. It's happening, yeah. What what kind of Cincy gear are we fantasizing Taylor Swift wearing? <laughs> Didn't think we'd be this deep. A non-zero percent chance, which is like Aaron's phenomenal. been out of this for so damn long because we're and we're we have, so deep in it. <laughs> we have absolutely the two opposite ends of the spectrum. Like Rory and I, I think are just kind of indifferent. Like whatever, <laughs> like it's interesting, but I don't really care. Brent cares. Yeah, and Aaron <laughs> is so mad behind that. Blackout screener. Well, well, then I cannot wait to hear what he has to say about uh, about the football game that we took took in on on Saturday. Then, if we want to, if we want to, should we timestamp this? The there, there it is. That's a timestamp. All right, <laughs> someone read it. The ghost. <laughs> Hold on a second. That's that? a timestamp. Brought to our good friends at Quick Paper Supply. They're your locally owned, family owned restaurant supply company for all your non food products. They service over 150 restaurants with weekly low minimum next day deliveries, providing a wide range of food service products from to go containers, cups, custom printed products, eco friendly, and much more. They also have cleaning and restroom supplies for all your janitorial needs. Call Nick 513 470 2029 and reference Bearcats for 20% off your first month of purchases. Boom, baby. I mean, they they rode out in a convertible together. It was an enchanted. Night. We're done. It was just oh. Man, I mean, it's man. not really your show to say when we're done or not. We're moving on. God, it is twenty-two hey, hey, minutes. It's a great it's like thing the, for the university if she is in a seat at ball. this point. He's not yet. Not one yet. To her to seat ball. Come God. on, man. Aaron's already in his uh mailbag verbiage. Moving on. Two pop. <laughs> Chris, Chris Tucker, you know, Dr. Dre. All you need we is Chad to be, we need Chad to be very specifically explaining a sandwich that he got from a random place in Mount Lookout for Aaron to be <laughs> tweaking out. <laughs> then he's locked in, absolutely locked in. But, hey, you know what? We couldn't bury the lead. That was the biggest news from the past weekend. Uh, but uh, now we can start to talk about the, the game that took place. In a game, it was uh, twenty to six. A uh, couple of quick hitters on the uh, twenty to six score. Royer, can you tell me the last time the Bearcats scored only six points or less in a football game? Uh, it wasn't when I was on the team. Yeah, it was. Oh, was it? Was it ECU? No. USF. No. It was the your fuck? last game. Oh shit! <laughs> when we beat Alabama six to three and went to the national championship, 
Yes, it was the Alabama Crimson Tide and the Cotton Bowl. The time before that was the goose egg put up against Ohio State at Ohio State. Then I you, you know it's 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 crazy to recall those. So that those are two pretty massive teams to go up against. And those were the last two times that the Bearcats scored six or less. Uh and then the, the first year in, in Luke Pickle's tenure, obviously it was it was pretty rough, but uh three points at, at USF. That was the uh the one prior to that. Um, this is also the first time with back-to-back losses since year one of Luke Fickle's tenure. And it's also the first time that the Bearcats were held without a touchdown inside of Nippert Stadium since 2016, which was the last season of Tommy Tuberville. And also that came against the team that the Bearcats play next, BYU. So a lot of uh, interesting things that took place here. But uh, in the end, to help get a job game, I think. Yeah, yeah, that was BYU at home. Yeah, yeah, that was wow. <laughs> and the Ohio State game that they didn't score was also the game Chelsea died. Yes, twice. correct, correct. And uh, you know, also it was a uh, man. It was a situation as well. I I don't know. That was a rough game, forty-two nothing. But that was the pass. Uh, this was also it, it was a twenty to six final score, but one that was kind of seemed a little bit closer than the score would indicate. Another one where. Defense played well at times. Another one where the offense struggled to uh, to come up. You know, last last game against Miami, it was kind of the red zone. This time, it was third and fourth down uh, conversions that were really the bugaboo. Um, you know, Chad, you kind of touched on the game already. Aaron Ryan, just kind of your your overall glossing points, and then we'll kind of we'll dive in a little bit more after this. Yeah, uh, I was telling you guys before he went on. It just kind of felt. We were just outperformed at almost every level besides D-line. And Chad reminded me, punter as well. I forgot about the boy Fletch. Mm-hmm. Just I thought our D-line played well. They they got good pressure, um, as we knew they should, as they're one of the top D-lines in the country, yet alone our conference. But everywhere else, we just I just felt we were out-athletic, outsized, outplayed couldn't run the ball, couldn't cover very well. And, you know, when you can't run the ball, I think it kind of – it really hurts Satterfield's offense because, one, you're not going to – it eliminates that triple option effect. If Oklahoma's got guys that can they can play both, they can mm-hmm. play dive, they can play pitch, or they can play quarterback, they can play pitch. And – their their corners were covering us pretty well, and then when they weren't, I thought Emery wasn't as sharp as we ne- we needed him to be perfect. We needed him to hit every every open guy deep, or anytime Henderson might have had just a half a step, the ball would have had to been just in that perfect spot for us to kind of get those hard earned yards because they're hard to come by. I mean, like I was telling you guys, Brent Venables is a defensive guru. I mean, he won national championships at Clemson for a reason last year. It's hard to go in and be in a head coach, but you get a whole year under your belt with some of the best talent in the country, and you get your coaches, your playbook. Everything's just in better sync. Look what happened with us with Fickle year two, and we don't have the guys he has at Oklahoma. So I think that, and I think the offense is kind of in a funk right now. I don't know if it's play calling, but it just seems like 
literally once we get that field gets chopped in half, I know we were talking about the red zone, but it just felt like any time we crossed the 50 that game, it just we couldn't do anything. Right. So yeah. it's not even like a lack of space. I don't know. I think, yeah, Oklahoma's good. There's a lack like, of really time, good team. I think more than anything, Saturday. Like, there was What'd very little time. There was lack very little time in the pocket. Yeah. Yeah. PFF came out with a stat that Emory was hurried 31 times. I mean, when you're getting hurried at that kind of a clip, that's insane. I, I think it came down uh, kind of like seventy percent of the seventy percent of his dropbacks. He was hurried. Kind of piggybacking off what Ryan said, I, I don't think it's the offense in a funk. I think it's the offensive line. I, I said this after the game. I, I think it all comes down to the offensive line for me, anyway. Um, from what I've seen, you can't expect your quarterback to get into any type of rhythm with his receivers when he's running for his life. Um, it's just not – you can't expect him to make his progressions, and so you're losing – when you're only looking at one receiver, you can't check down to the next guy. So you got three to four guys running routes that you're not even seeing because you can only, you only have time to look at the first guy, and you're either running or you're throwing it into a place where you probably shouldn't be throwing it. Um, so it's – And we can't run it to help him. Correct. Play because, action isn't as good. Because Oklahoma's full of four to five stars, and they're just – physically built bigger than our offensive line yeah maybe i guess we might have been fooled guys i think we were fooled by pitt and we're starting to see it in pitt's performance but they're bad they still have a i mean they still normally have a solid front seven but you know we played eku and we wiped the floor with them and then we played pitt played really well ran the ball the best i've seen in years and maybe pitt was just Maybe we overhyped them, and this was kind of like a... Played really well the first half, really, at Pitt. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then Miami kind of like, we didn't... Miami stepped up to the plate any at all times when it came to either having to get a stop or stop the run. The run game wasn't there a ton. Um, they were getting good pressure, too. And then leading into this, it's like... Like, I didn't even, I didn't even really realize that. And now that you mention him, like, yeah, Emory was running. He was making some good plays with his feet, too, that kind of saved drives that should have been kind of mm-hmm. dead in their tracks. But even even the, the overtime drive when when you're back because of the was it was that the was that the one with the illegal man downfield or is that Miami at this point? I can't even remember. That was Miami. Um, Miami. Um, overtime against Miami. Yeah. yeah we're, um, but I don't know. He's he's scrambling, he's doing everything that he can out there. And again, when you're only able to make one read. And and then you're having to take off. It's it's yeah. tough. And we had talked about before the season. Um, I, I think Chad probably beat this drum louder than anybody. It, that interior he thought was where we were strongest. Uh, the guards in the center. Um, they haven't just, had a good past two games. They it's been rough, and the tackles have actually played better. I think than than the interior has. Um, it makes me that wonder if. <laughs> well, that just, I guess that just makes me wonder if that's why we're running so much outside zone as opposed to in, um, or so much inside zone early on as opposed to outside zone. And now we've switched up to where we're starting to run more inside stuff than outside stuff. I would have liked to see maybe some more outside stuff this past week. I don't think you all... can against Oklahoma. They're yeah, so I was bad. about to say they're fast. And yeah. that pistol, that pistol, sh- pistol outside zone is just like a you're asking for it with a team like Oklahoma when you're outsized, out athletic. I don't even know what word to use. You're they're more athletic than us. 
So you're just giving them the lanes. You're giving them more time to make the play. And yeah, I did see him actually take a snap under center though. I thought that make, might make Chad happy as a, I thought they were going to try and do the, the Philadelphia special, um, but they, they did not. I, I was looking for it. I love the double pass. Up. Yeah. Gosh, which. But even that was covered. Even then, yeah. he would have had to have made a perfect throw again. Right. Yeah. I mean, that was just like, I, I mean, Oklahoma was good. I, they're, you know, people are starting to finally talk about them. and they're I still don't think Dylan Gabriel's good. I right, right. Well, you know that's that's a funny thing. You know, Aaron and I were talking up in the press box a little bit how, you know, hey, you know, Dylan Gabriel's kind of struggling. He, I, something about him playing the Bearcats or you know playing at Nip kind of really gets him, you know, out of his comfort zone. I think, but he something he about his mechanics too that just is kind of like unnatural, right? So right. Kind of forced. Right. He's like throwing his upper body. It's probably because like he's the lefty too, which is just like. Looks looks weird, yeah. you know. I mean, like people said that. Normally, lefties got kind of like that smooth. They have the the smooth motion, right? Kind of same thing in basketball. Like every lefty and every lefty quarterback, they all have that, like that very similar throwing mechanic, and it just seems so smooth. That his is just really like like throwing his whole chest with the ball. It's weird. I don't it's know. Weird. We'll see how he does. But I, the thing is, they've got a backup quarterback who's probably better than Dylan Gabriel at this point, but I mean, he Dylan's had a great season uh, up to this point, so they can't really do anything to move on from him, but that's well, a tough. not going to face many other great defenses in this conference. So. Right, exactly. Um, I mean, that game against Texas will be a true barometer, but they're starting to get a lot of talk uh, nationally. I mean, the, the metrics love Oklahoma. They, I, I, I saw a couple that say that, you know, they're one of the most underrated teams in the country, but you know, we're slowly starting to see what teams are solid in the country and what teams aren't. So what kind of, you know, graphics and what kind of, you know, true underlying metrics are actually worth looking at. Um, and like you said, Ryan, I, I, I think that that dang on pit law pit win, sorry, is, is starting to really look sour because I mean, pit pit is bad and uh, it's really starting to come out. And so, do you, do you take a look at the first two games or do you take a look at the last two games when it comes to the same? I mean, in the middle. yeah. Yeah. And I, I think like the reality is we knew at some point this offense with the, with 10 new starters was going to face adversity. It right. just happened in a different order than we thought, because what happened was they put a bunch of good stuff on tape in those first, that first game and a half, two games, whatever. And team said, got a chance to, now they've got, you know, you go into the season, nobody knows what a Scott Satterfield offense looks like. Nobody knows, like, what what a reimagined Cincinnati looks like. So they mm-hmm. go out, and they look good. But now you put everything on tape, and the Miami had some success, and Oklahoma's able to say, we can do that a lot better than Miami did. Yeah. And they did. But yeah. I still it baffles me with Miami. What 580 yards of offense? And what did we have? 24 points, 28 points. I don't remember. This 24. week we have four 400 yards of offense and six points. Could have been nine without the missed 20, whatever far that was. But like that's like insane to me. 
So like the offense is like producing and literally I told you guys, if you would have told me that Oklahoma scored 20 points, I would say we win 10 out of 10 times. Like I would have been that. Could have been 12 if they had gone for the field goal instead of going for it on what fourth and two from the nine. Yeah. Yeah. But even then we, what would, Oh, we, yeah, we still would have lost 13 to 12. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. which is just fucked. Like, that's just an insane. Like, if you would have told me the score would have been 13 to 12 or 20 to 12, I would have been like, yeah, fucking right. There's no way. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, too, is like Oklahoma, sure, they, you know, they had a coaching change and whatnot, and, and Venables is more of a defensive mind. But, you know, is the thing is Oklahoma scores the football. They, they have historically scored the football. They have been – had prolific offenses, you know. I it, I did the same little quick dive into the history, and, and I mean, the last time that they won a football game scoring twenty or less points just only happened once in the last decade, and that came against West Virginia, like back in I don't know, it was like four or five years ago. So I mean, they Cincinnati's defense did everything that they needed to in order to stay in that game, stay there ready. Uh, it, it just was a it's a tough thing, and you know I. In the uh, postgame presser, Satterfield continuously mentioned fundamentals and execution is are the two reasons why they've struggled, you know, against Miami in the red zone and then in this game on on third and fourth down scenarios. Um, I mean, I, are those just two easy words to throw out there as as no, something to accurate. say? Right. I, where do you think that that shows most? I guess I would say. I think the thing that, that shows most is when they're in high leverage situations, Emory has a quick trigger. And a lot of that is because the protection in high leverage situations isn't holding up. Mm-hmm. So I think it's twofold. Like every, you know, the easy thing for fans to do is blame the coach, play call, because you don't know the play. Right. So it's easy to blame the coach and say he called a bad play when you have absolutely no fucking clue what the play was, mm-hmm. like that makes it easy. Oh, it was the play. The play coach got called better play. But if you go back and look on the back side of a lot of those plays, guys are wide open. Like the interception that Emory admitted was a bad read. Yeah, uh, he didn't read the safety coming over the staying over the top for help. If he looks that safety off and comes back. He had a wide open touchdown. Right. So, but how much he's not anticipating, he doesn't trust right now. Yeah. That there's going to be a lot of time. Like, he's not trusting that I've got a chance to go front side, back side. He has no reason to. Well, yeah. I mean, he has no trust in uh, that, that I've got the time to go through my progressions and read the defense because the offense line hasn't given him the ability to have that trust. Now, some of it, especially Miami and and Oklahoma, they were overloading and Mm -hmm. getting free runners. Like, in the first half of that game, they had to have had four free runners at Emory, where... Up the middle, mostly all of them. Yeah, Yeah, right up the A gap, um, or the B gap, and then right in his face. Mm -hmm. Um, I think one of them might have been the C gap, where they, they kind of delayed a blitz in between the tackle and the guard. Um, but for the most part, like, 
he's not, and, and the other thing we we talked about this Saturday night, the average third down was eight point one yards. Right. And what was it, Aaron? Seven of them were nine or more. I think you said you looked up. If I, I I can pull it up real quick. But I, I think seven of them were nine or more yards. Right. You are not going to convert against Oklahoma constantly in third and nine, third and twelve, yeah. third and ten. Like it's not going to happen. So they're having two success. Of, two of seven from nine plus. Yeah. So seven. And of the one was that crazy have. run by yeah, Emory. Yeah. Um, so you're not going to have a lot of success doing that. They are, it's, it's almost like if they don't have success on first down, they're in trouble. Two of yeah. 10 they're, from five plus. Yeah. <laughs> so they're on those plays on first down where they're hitting those hitch routes. They're, they're, they're kind of going quick game. DBs right. are playing off. They're taking what the defense is giving them. Like okay, well it's it's second and two. Then we're we're going. Like we're good. We're in a rhythm. We're or good. they run for four to five yards. Right. Um. But but when they get in a situation where it's second and long, not even the third and long. When it's second and long, there's the automatically like it. It's not clicking. Um. So it, some of that got to figure out protection. Like that's on Cardwell to figure out what do we have to do. You know, and I, I think maybe that Ryan, tell me if this makes sense to you. I think there's the tape is showing that they're not great at tackle. So opponents are saying we can one on one their tackles. And Cincinnati's trying to help out to prevent pants rushing from outside. And Miami and Oklahoma have just said we're coming eight out. Like we're coming right out, right in your face because you feel like. Your guard, your two guards and your center can handle one-on-one and can kind of, you know, slide to help out the tackles where the pressure's coming. And they're just overloading and saying, you don't get to help your tackles. Like, you don't get to slide protection towards them so that, you know, when our defensive end tries to cut back to the inside, you've got to guard them. No, we're coming right at you, right at the point of attack, as soon as you snap it, we're going to outnumber you four to three or, you know, whatever whatever the case may be. Like, I think defensive coordinators have looked at that and said, like, this is where it's smart to attack because they're so worried about things happening outside that we're going to cause them crazy issues on the inside. Does that? Yeah. Yes. No, you're, you're right on. And so what I'm scared about – is we are in the same spot we were in last year, but we don't. But we don't have Ben, so we have we have we still have the problem. But we thought we had everything to get like at least alleviate it. But we're still in the same spot, which is concerning. So my thing is, we need to find a way to have over 180, anywhere from 180 to 200 yards rushing a week, and that includes. Your running backs that includes which they've done the D first Wiggins. three weeks. Yeah, that includes Emory scrambling. I think if we can have that, that is going to set us up in a way better spot because one, it keeps the defense on their toes. Um, it gives us more manageable third downs, more manageable second downs on offense, and it has it. It basically just it can't. It will put the defense in the bind that 
yeah, we can't just blitz six or blitz five every third down because we need to be, it's not going to be uh, that type of scenario with the yardage. And it, it also says that we need to scheme up a way to, because when, when defense, if I was a defense right now with our offense, I would, like you're saying, rush, 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 and let's just have some sort of hot coverage around the sticks or play a man with a little hot underneath with your linebackers in, in the gaps. So we got to find ways to put our – it's probably not going to be uh, guys on the outside right away. We got to find ways at the two or three with our tight end or our D-wig or our slots to find these gaps in these zones quickly combine that with the run game improvement because if we keep putting on tape if we're already going to be in what week five and we're already getting exploited for that like it's only going to get worse it's just going to get worse and worse and teams are going to find they're yeah, just going to attack it even harder yeah, yeah. you, so you like, find different you have to adjust to the adjustment right? right like teams have taken what you did the first two weeks and they've said okay this is how we're gonna gonna keep them away from what they did that was so successful in the first two weeks. And now you have to adjust to the adjustments. Like we, we talk about this all the time and it, it's, it, it's that, that part is on the coaching staff. It's also on Emory Jones and the offensive line to get to the backside of the play to, to be able to say, okay, like they, they sniffed out that we're trying to go to Xavier Henderson here. I got to be able to get my head around and have enough mm-hmm. time to get the ball to Braden Smith, to get yeah. the ball to D. Wiggins, to find the back out of the backfield. I don't sense in a high leverage situation that that's happening. And that's how you struggle in goal line. That's how mm-hmm. you struggle in third and fourth down. You're in high leverage situations, and you're only allow, allowing yourself enough time to execute one, maybe one and a half options. And that's a recipe for disaster in high major football. And there's only so many different concepts you could run in that amount right. of time. So our, if you, you could just cookie cutter it up with the defense and you'll, it, you'll always be in a good place. It's just kind of funny. Cause I feel like the defense has been so sound. We know what we're going to get from every week. So I'm like every week, I'm always finding myself trying to give my offensive input and I, it's just kind of hilarious. But I think something that can negate this pressure, you can negate pressure with screens. We need some quick lateral movement. They like to use swing passes more than screens. Yeah. But they're similar. We need to find a way. If they want to attack the guard and center, we need to to find a way that is not necessarily isolating our tackle on the edge, but getting the ball in that um, alleyway quickly where we can have our – either quick toss to Corey or a, a jet sweep or a little, just like a little screen out to the, in that little alleyway where we can get our athletic guys chances to get an easy four to six yards, just falling forward. Cause then that's going to keep the defense like, and the screens, like I said, a little kind of like a little delay out to the past the tackle that, cause you're going to have all these guys attacking our, our guards and, and, uh, center like they've been because that's it's smart it's a good blitz concept let's exploit them and get the ball away from them right. <laughs> just 
I don't know. I just place that the linebackers are the if the linebackers are coming, the middle of the field's wide open. Yeah. Do you think running any any type of hurry up offense would help out with any of this, or as opposed to allowing the other team to make subs and all of that? Yeah, we got to work on that. We sub so. It wasn't a problem this week because Oklahoma didn't care about the bullshit. They weren't jogging guys off. I agree. I just wonder, just as you look at the season as a whole, what we've already played and going yeah, forward. Yeah, I'm just saying it, it wasn't like against. It's not that they didn't do it against Oklahoma. It just Oklahoma wasn't like we're going to try to slow you down. Oklahoma yeah. was like, uh, shit. Like we'll sub our guys. We we'll sub your guys. We'll run the play with 17 seconds, and you're not scoring touchdowns. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like a gamesmanship thing, and yeah, they were not like, with Miami. Yeah. And this, it was like we have studs. We're gonna just stick in our defense and try well, and no, be. They were subbing guys right. were running off the field. Like yeah. it wasn't that. Oh, look at my run! I'm running because my arms are moving fat one one millisecond faster than they normally uh, do. <laughs> we also was, can't make fun of it because we've seen Cincinnati do the same oh, thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We might have started it. Right. So I, I, I talked about it last year. I and remember. Briggs was just like. Slow I remember walking to the sideline on substitutions. It was it was funny because actually uh it happened in the NFL this, this week as well. The the Colts had the field goal unit out and they subbed them all out and brought the offense back on. And then the Ravens were like, Okay, well, we're gonna slowly walk out our, our defense our back. Entire defense, yeah. Yeah, one by and, one. And they got to delay a game and had to kick a field goal. But yeah, I, I mean that that game's in Ship part goes out the window when when you you're facing a team like Oklahoma. It it does seem like like does does this defensive scheme, you know, Royer? I'm going to kind of ask you again. Does does that mean that defenses are are kind of like selling out to bring pressure right up the face and make Emory make a throw? Like are throws available? You think it it just you got to kind of put it in a tough spot? Yeah, because you don't have a lot of time to calculate where I want to throw the ball and if my guy's open or if he's not open, let's check this guy. Because if you, you're going to have, when you, when you rush, most teams aren't going to, they're not going to blitz seven and then just right. man up. They're going to have some sort of guy that's covering for the exploitation of the weak coverage in the system. So like meaning a linebacker might be having outside leverage and a safety is going to help him inside but there's this window where he can be in a really bad position and we're relying on the safety to get there, but it's just kind of like a gamble. And you're saying yeah. the pressure coming is just going to like kind of fizzle that away from being a true threat. So it's kind of understanding scenarios and scheming up how these teams are pressuring us right. with other teams and how the teams are going to play, how they like to pressure and kind of finding ways to, you know, put a guy like a, a guy that we know that can win inside on on a weaker coverage guy on, on a safety or a linebacker that can get open quickly and can find a hole quickly because it's going to be hard to if I was a team playing against us, I would man up on the outsides and I play off ball around the and be and have just stick awareness on the inside guys with linebacker help slash other safety help whoever's not rushing or blitzing and just say hey emory is not gonna have enough time he's not gonna have two and a half seconds to find this right. guy poking through our our gap 
if he's if they're lucky enough to call that play. So it's it's a good. I mean, yeah. It but the thing is, if you have a if you have good communication and you pick up you pick up the blitz well enough for Emery to step up in the pocket, right. one of two things can happen. You're gonna have a guy who's decently open, or you're gonna have a wide ass lane for Emery to just run for the first right. down. Is this like Which, a pre snap thing at all? Do you think, or is it is this all stuff that just happens so quickly where you kind of identify and you got to make a decision after the yeah. Snap? I mean, maybe you, you can do things with motion that kind of expose. Is it a is it man? So should we be inspecting man pressure? So yeah. should I be looking at what kind of matchups am I going to be seeing with what kind of receivers we have, or mm-hmm. is it are they kind of just shifting? So am I thinking more zone? Should I check to a hot a little hot route because we know we're in this formation? These guys are either coming up on the line, so I can anticipate this guy rushing or this right. guy dropping. Let's say that there's a 50% chance my slot is going to be open on his first hot route option. I'm looking at him right away. I don't need to step back and go through progressions. I don't need right. to look out wide. So I think kind of like what we were using earlier in the year with I like this this fast-paced motion and mm-hmm. it kind of like keeping the defense on his toes. But what we would do with Denbrock would be like that slower tight end motion, but it would kind of help take the time to see what's that deep, what is the defense in? How are they reacting to this motion? Right. So I'd like to see something like, Hey, let's, let's send our slot quickly in motion. Like we're going to be doing some sort of jet play, but he just keeps going across the line. He just gets set. All right. What are they in? All right. We got 10 seconds to snap the ball. What do we think? We have a certain amount of scouting going on before the week. What do we think we're in? Let's make a quick check. Let's run the play stuff like that. That can help. Cause when you're in a pressure scheme, it's it's a very specific rules and motions can kind of expose right where where like you need this to guy be. definitely coming. Yeah. This guy's yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. It's, it's, it's man zone. Like, right, man's you know whether they're in man or they're in zone. Yeah, and right. and like you'll you can sometimes when it, when a defense is in a pressure, like motion puts you in a in a kind of abnormal check. And sometimes you can kind of get a sense for like a defense might be f- kind of freaking out. Like, oh shit, here it is. Right. Point, point, point. Oh, here. Then like they kind of like are a little bit not normal looking in their mm-hmm. ways of how they're reacting or how they're shifting around versus how they normally do. But you know, the defense is gonna try to keep that shit under wraps with with their alignment, their response. But I think it motion, motion when dealing with pressure really does kind of get give you some bit of an inkling of what they might be in or if they're pressuring or not. So I think that would help maybe motion screens. I quarterback quarterback draw isn't really working. We keep trying to do it. I it's just it's not like working. Well, yeah, so yeah. 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 If you're getting so, if you're if your guards and centers are coming right at you and you're doing your little bullshit little fake and you got three right right there when you right turn around yeah. you're you're you ain't you're, you're asking for a butt fumble, right? <laughs> just just gotta hope it doesn't happen. But uh, so for me, it's kind of the the situation as well. With where now we bring up the run game, and if, if you look at it, there's there's four running backs that that toe to the rock a little bit. Ethan Wright out there getting some cares as well. But all four running backs, we're gonna include Emory in this as well. So five players that that carry the ball more than one time had at least one carry of nine or more yards. And if you take Ethan Wright out of there, then each running back had 
a carry of at least 11 yards or more, but it's so spread out to the point where I guess, you know, obviously Ryan Montgomery had the big game last uh, last week against Miami. He only had three carries in this one. Then you had 10 for Corey Kiner, six for Miles Montgomery. It's kind of the Miles Montgomery coming out party. He had a longest 16, 6.2 yards per tote. Uh, but they didn't really use him until the second half when right. Yeah, I was going to say this, this running kinda, running back by committee type approach situation, and I I think Sat kind of did this last year at uh, at Louisville. I think he only had a couple of years there where he kind of had a, uh, a a bell cow back. Um, do you guys think this is the, the running back by committee approach is holding back the opportunity for someone to kind of get a feel for what the defense is no. you know, showing or anything, or you think I just think that's the reaction to the Oklahoma game. They found a hot back in three of the four games. Right. Well, I mean, I'm just asking so, this one in particular. I'm answering. Talking about, if, yeah. you, if you ask, I'm allowed to answer, right? No, I know. I, but I'm just saying that in this I, one, it seems like, like, like there was certain backs that, you know, had, had these open attacks and then they just continue to try and rotate in. But it's worked in three of the four games. Yeah, and they've had great rushing attacks. Like yeah. it, you know, maybe we just say Oklahoma had a really mm-hmm. good defense. Yeah, they gave up a couple. Like they're not even as Aaron would define them. They are not even close to. They're not even half chunk plays. Right. Or they, you know, yeah, they had a run for eight or nine yards, but that like every other run was two or one or right. minus right. two. So right. I, I don't think any of them got hot until miles did a little bit in the second half and and mm-hmm. maybe i mean i guess is the argument you should should have tried him earlier but i mean they did a little bit and he didn't have a lot of success either early so mm-hmm. yeah i don't i don't think so far we're seeing the negative uh side of of rotating like having uh, a a little different look from your different backs to see which one maybe is going to be hot that day I yeah. just think Oklahoma, especially early, like that's kind of that I guess I would say that's the downside to um to to trying to find out who's your hot hand that day. Mm, is right. if the other team stops you early, mm-hmm. then your impression early is that okay, well, we're just not gonna be able to run the ball that well today. Yeah, like they've got they've got an answer for all of our backs. Like maybe today we're just not going to be able to run the ball, so you kind of get away from running the ball or or being as aggressive with it as you normally would be. Which I, I think it can also go back to not being able, you know, outside zone is is not going to be a thing against a team like Oklahoma. Fortunately, right. like they they don't play any defenses like Oklahoma the rest of the way. So um, David said the backs just aren't beating their one on ones. Um, that, and I, I would agree, I would disagree strongly with Monty. He's the one that wants to juke. Like he's the one that wants to make those little, you know, jump stop or like little cuts. Yeah. Um, that's kind of his running style. Corey's the one that's been, I think just lowering his shoulder and trying to at times run over people when the hole isn't there. Um, I just don't think there were a lot of holes through the first quarter and a half. Corey uh, kind of slipped on that one, but yeah, I, I mean, there's another state. All our backs when they're one-on-ones, I, I just think that overall the the O-line just was not able to provide them with ideal one-on-one scenarios 
Right. Yeah, I mean, the one-on-one -on -one thing, Ryan, I think has merit because they didn't win a lot of one-on-one -on -one battles against Miami, especially in the red zone. Where the line got yeah. it blocked up, yeah. they had a one-on-one, -on -one, and the guy brought them down, like, on contact. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that's where people are frustrated and, and saying, why aren't they able to win their one-on-ones? It's because that Miami image is still stuck in your mind. Yeah. I don't think there were a lot of one-on-ones that they missed against Oklahoma. Yeah, like yeah you need to, you need to get three. in the end zone when it's like when you're like getting two runs from the four stuff like yeah. that. Is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I think and they like generated one. those one on ones. They yeah. just didn't win them. Right. I people are definitely piling together both of the uh, past two games and trying to marry them yeah. into one. But yeah, I mean, it, it, I I guess one one bright note, and then I'm going to talk about a very bright note after this. Um, Offensively, though, is it? Yes, there was one drop that was a, a pretty massive drop, but it, it did feel good to see Shaman get get a little bit more, you know, action in this game, if you will. Can't drop uh, that ball, man. Yeah, that that. Drop knows was, I love him. He can't drop that ball. He knows yeah. it. Yeah, he knows. But it it was definitely good to see him start to you know get get involved sure. with the offense a little bit more. You saw the the unbelievable potential that he has with you know that one sideline catch catch and yeah. run you know i was thinking he was gonna hurdle that guy and, and, and take him for six but hey you know it was a uh it was a good play on the sideline then that had a couple more short had that kind of diving catch as well um so good to see shaman getting involved and, yeah. and and that'd be good to have just another weapon that the defense has to make sure they you know attest to because it, it did seem like there was a handful of plays where you know and obviously this is due to formations or you know staying in the block and help with protection but it seemed like on a handful of plays there was only three guys going out for you know a, a, a uh on a route and any set of downs but you know every play is well, different that's what you have to do when right when they're starting to bring the pressure too much right snaps the ball. like but, they had to do something yeah not the free rushers like guys yeah. were just running like they had to whether it's a, an H-back or a tight end that is more of an inline or a, mm -hmm. a running back that has to sacrifice and just try to to blow up whoever's coming through the A-gap. Like, you have to do something to not allow Oklahoma just having a guy in Emory's face a half a second after the ball is set. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, anything more offensively? I, I mean, Aaron, you got anything on the offensive side? I think it was more of a, I don't know. It's there's things that need to be improved, yes, but you know there's there's still the those little times where you see the flashes of that offense that we saw against EKU in the first half against Pitt as well, where you know the chunk plays, I, not really wow. chunk the 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 positive plays are there, but uh, maybe the execution and the fundamentals, as as Satterfield mentioned numerous times, just kind of didn't really show through in this one. Um, Aaron, anything? Offensively, additional. Like I, I, I talked about it Saturday night on the uh, the the live mm. nightcap. Where for me, it's just the offensive line again and again mm -hmm. and again. So I'm not going to continue to say any more on that. Speaking of offensive back. line, real quick, your thoughts on the uh, the circus formation? Tackles out wide and, and and three linemen in to block it. It produced a first down. Yeah, so hard at it. I couldn't believe it worked. I was like, "This is this looks so stupid." And this is normally the thing that just like that just like 
gets fucked up like right away the first time they try. They're like, all right, throw that out. But it it kind of worked, I guess. So, and the funny uh, thing is, they ran it each time. Yeah, up I, the middle. I couldn't believe what I was watching. I was like, where? Well, that puts a ton of pressure on your trick? defense. Ryan, doesn't that put a ton of pressure on your defense to guard that screen to the outside where you have an offensive lineman out there? Yeah, that's normally your inclination. Like this, that's what I was thinking. Like we're gonna run like something out there to just. That's probably why they were freaking out and they were like not stopping that run right away. Isn't that funny? Like we get the run stuff where there's five of them. Just oh, we only use three linemen. We'll run it around. Yeah, why not? Why not? The old the old circus formation. Yeah, I I mean Sat said that they just had to get creative and find ways to pick up yards and it worked so I'm sure we'll see a little bit more of that uh not necessarily well, I mean, he made it he made a great point like if you're facing a Brent Venables team and the defense yeah. is clicking you gotta do something to get them uncomfortable like you gotta yeah. do something to where they're not just pin our ears back we're coming right. to get you good luck yeah yeah and and which is why you saw that trick play that yeah you know, I even so, it was a it was a tough pass to make. And I think that was obviously the design is you have to go to Peyton on that, um, and it, it was there a little little high, but still it was it was goodly good good pass defense as well. I, I mean Peyton had a little bit of area, and, and Braden tried to put it in there. So, I mean I thought it was a good time for it, and I thought hey, if if you're playing Miami, that, that's probably a touchdown. If if you're playing yeah. Oklahoma, they're they're gonna a little bit more keen to uh to be able to react and recover. So yeah. it was good, good as well. Um real quick before we move on to defense, I how about that crowd? That was a phenomenal crowd, unbelievable. The the feeling out Top on the field three loudest I've ever heard it. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, dude, the, the the field before the game, you could just kind of get that get the what was the one and two, Chad. Oh man. Um I got it. One I, my number loudest, one is the championship of my senior year was the loudest I ever Houston. heard. Yeah. Yeah. UCF. UCF. We're doing just the recent window. That UCF game, the the sauce coming out party, mm-hmm. like that crowd was lubed up. Thursday night, nip at night, like it was it was juiced. Um, the, I, I do think it's funny how this works. I, I do think the loudest play I've ever heard at Nippert Stadium was that third and 19 with them at the three yard line. Um, because it was it was loud, right? Like it was loud early in the play, and then Gabriel went up to the line to check, and it was like somebody just took the volume from eight and like spun it to like 35. Because yeah. it went from like I was talking to somebody that was standing right next to me about it, like as the play started, and we're like, "Damn, this is this is loud!" Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the volume cranked, and we were essentially just mouthing to each other. Like it, there, there was <laughs> there was no ability standing one feet from each other to hear a sound that came out of his mouth. Like that, I think was the loudest play I've ever heard. I will say. The Oregon State game that kind of launched Brian Kelly's career, um, 
that one got really loud because mm -hmm. I think everybody was so shocked at what happened. Like it was like a like a drunken celebration, right? Because all of a sudden, like, oh, were shit, you at the Rutgers D'Antonio game? Uh, I was not at that game. It was right before I really got started. I wonder how loud that was because that that looked like a pretty awesome atmosphere too. I'm sure, but that I one, think if that. Was, I think that one didn't sell out. Like, I think it was still people didn't really like that was what made people buy in. Mm -hmm. But people weren't all the way bought in yet at that point. I think if that game was a 730 kick, that it would completely blow our minds. Oh, I, I, the, if the Oklahoma game was at night? Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Like, because it's always hard to get It's No matter how dedicated or big the game is like when it's a noon kick like but it's but also hard. royer <laughs> it's hard but, to be fucking juiced is but also though game. with with big uh you know the big 12 uh was on hand obviously and then also the the big noon kickoff fox on hand too that fired up that like, kind of had everyone juiced up. juiced up you know yeah, yeah. I, I and i i tell you what on the field before the it's game, the loudest it noon game unbelievable. like it's the loudest noon game ever i don't think that's you oh, it yeah. was it was un unbelievable vibes. You know, shouts to Mark Ingram. He is, seems like he's bought in on the Bearcats. He loves doing down the drive. He, man, he really showed your boy Urban Meyer up, Royer. Urban was, uh, did you see My some boy. of those clips? <laughs> yeah. Did you see some I of those clips? See, I think he's just, I think he's just messing with people. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> Going with the OHIO. The, the dude played. Wow. Anyway. I, he, went, he, he has a degree. From the university played football and baseball for the Bearcats. Played with my uncle, but uh, yeah, it, it is the it is. Rutgers uh, game had an attendance of 34,526, and the stadium at that time had a capacity of 38,088. We didn't have a full 40 somehow, not, no, because it's still like it wasn't like they 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 were good but not great under Dan Tokyo. Like it was building, but they weren't they weren't there yet. The we're talking about this game, Roy. Yeah, we didn't have a we had thirty eight at the last game. I would, which is dude, I'm telling you that damn those damn corners, dude. They can't finish oh, the damn Christ. job. <laughs> you know I've talked about this, Chad. Look up in that corner, you'll see the empty seats up there. No, there's they're, they're, the past two games. There have not been. A single empty dude, seat up there. Those seem not like a single empty seat up there. Those seem oh, like it'd be a I, scary seat, dude. Like, like if you stood up oh, and looked yeah. over, thought you would be falling down. Or I something. looked up there at like, I don't know, like ten minutes in the first quarter. I assumed that they must have filled up. I didn't look back. They did. There, so. They were absolutely full. Okay. But it's hard Both to get the, the fucking the like the the club seats and like those uh, press box area up there. I feel like they'll, they'll. I feel like I'll never see the day when every one of those are sat in. <laughs> well, yeah, but the club seats, the people are there. They're just in the club. Yeah, having cheese and crackers and a glass of wine. <laughs> yeah, that's where Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey will be watching the game next time. Nah, that's a president's suite. Oh, they won't be with the commoners. Pinto come says, on "Come on in, I got you guys. Come on, I got now. you." But uh, yeah, Chad, you got a good pick of uh, your mark and. Wes Miller chopping it up. You know, you had yep. obviously all the celebrities on the field. I, I think it's awesome what what the uh, big new kickoff does, bringing the the crew to the field, and then having them there for the yeah. halftime talk as well. 
it just makes the theatrics of it just, you know, a whole different level. So uh, just glowing reviews, obviously, from, from everyone who attended Nippert for the first time. Oklahoma fans are loving really? the atmosphere there. I w- that's so, what I, w- I would love to hear, like, a, a Oklahoma, like, radio g- guy who travels and does the calls give his assessment on what he thought and how Nippert stacks up. Because I anticipated it to be like the that people were going to overlook it. They never really heard much about it, and once they got there, they'd be like, "Holy shit! This is like a." It sounds like there's eighty thousand people in here. It's That's what cool. their their rivals guy said. That basically, like this, it's not a stadium that has. It oh, doesn't dude, sound like it, a stadium yeah. with forty thousand seats. I always wondered what it would sound like from the stands because obviously it sounds louder on the field when people are like everyone's yelling at yeah. you in the same direction. And it was loud as hell in the first half, but it almost felt like the second half. It was just kind of like people felt a little, I felt like hopeless. I was like, we can't do anything. It oh, they're just like the, waiting for the big play, you know? Just yeah. Waiting. The energy wasn't nearly as strong as the first half, but I mean, you know, that that's what happens when. You well, I think if they down. make the field goal and it's 10 to six at halftime, the second half would have been just as gassed as the first. Yeah, but I think yeah. when they blocked that field goal, it was like, man, we can't we, – we're not going to score a touchdown on these guys. I think that was – They didn't. And, 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 I mean, the only other score was a 54-yard field goal. Kudos to, to Carter Brown. Brown. I mean – Shouts, yeah. I said it. I was standing with some, some of the folks. I, I've made friends now with the people that own all the suites. Like, I told everybody I would. They, they didn't block it. it. They just missed the field goal. The one he made, Aaron. Pay attention. You the said the four yarder. You said the if he if the uh, if they the one they blocked. You said no. I said the fifty four yarder, the one he bombed from fifty four yards. Yeah, the man. Oh, he's got another prop this week. We got a full <laughs> Reds player. Hey, baby, <laughs> let's go. Oh, hey, Homer. I said, I said to the people in the, the suites, I was like, he doesn't have the leg for this. And sure enough, it, I mean, it made it by, like, I don't think it was yeah. good from 55. He made a 70-yarder during the offseason. I don't think it was. Okay, that was a Saturday afternoon. Too. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, yeah. I mean, it was it was a Get great, shots to the boy, Royer. Say good hold. No, Get shots to the it boy. It was a low snap from the boy Fife. Bert got it up. And it was in Carter still managed to make it from 54, yeah. which is impressive. That was huge, huge unnoticed play by Bryce. <laughs> the boy, the but boy. Then unfortunately, unfortunately, they go straight down the field and score, and then it's 17 yeah. to six, and you're just like, Well, are we, we're not getting 17. What I was like, we know we're not getting 17. This one's over. I well, then our asses like. We, the way we got that a 40-second drive out of Oklahoma to get the ball back, needing to score twice, I was like, how in the hell did that happen? I was like, we are still somehow yeah. in this game. You got six minutes much, left, and you're down two scores. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, they, got, like, they got the ball with seven minutes, and we got the ball back with like 6.15. I, I told yeah. my girlfriend, I was like, I was like, I don't – you won't understand what just happened, but that is like – so unbelievably rare that we even are remotely have time right now. Cause I thought they were going to get like three first downs, but yet alone, they somehow managed to take 40 seconds off the clock, which was yeah. crazy. Well, 
Well, and the uh, so we we already talked offense, but crowd was you know, the, but before yeah. we were done, crowd was amazing. Like, uh, oh, unbelievable. amazing, unbelievable, unbelievable. It, it truly was. I, and and the thing was, when you have people texting you, like people coming out of the woodworks and texting you, and obviously games on Fox and on ABC on. You know, on the major, you know, networks, obviously, we'll we'll get a little bit more eyes on it. But sure. people who haven't texted me in a year were texting me saying, "Man, it is loud there." And I'm just like, "Yeah, see, uh, people are realizing, yeah, it's, it's awesome." But, um, yeah, we kind of just real quick glossing over, you know, this. You guys were mentioning uh, kind of, kind of those drives, Royer, and and Chad, you and Aaron were talking about how you know the the amount of yards needed for most of the third downs. Where you know it's a pretty high average, but still, I most people would remember those those third and twos and the fourth and twos, in, in the latter part of the game, and how you know not not being able to pick those up. I think that's going to be something that kind of sticks out a little bit more. You know, that makes you think, okay, well the 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 down distance on most of those downs probably wasn't too much, but who knows? Um, think about going for it instead of kicking the field goal. It would have been one possession. Yeah, you're down eight. Uh, you have to score a touchdown. Like I don't, yeah. I don't hate it because at that point, like you have to score touchdowns to win the yeah. game. You're down there, like Hadn't you don't know if you're going to get that close again. <laughs> like I, I yeah. think you have to try for the touchdown there. Like I in, agree. In normal game situations, if that was like 31-24, I would have been like, yeah, take the field goal and, and try to win the game later. Yeah. In that situation, I think you have to be aggressive. I think you have to try. To get a touchdown, I, I just I, they were so opportunities were so few and far between. Mm-hmm. They had two red zone trips the entire day, two. Like for everybody, red zone, red zone, red zone, two, two, mm-hmm. two trips. <laughs> yeah. Two. Well, yeah. And I and think one all of them, th- I think the farthest it made was the eighteen. Right. The only red zone trip that penetrated the ten yard line was the end of the first half. Where they had the shank punt, UC took over at like their the Oklahoma 46. Shaman missed the whole shot down the sideline that would have been like first and 10 at the 15 or whatever mm-hmm. it was. Um, so yeah, like it, you, you just have so few chances down there, right? I don't know that you can feel comfortable that well, we'll, we'll just we'll we'll get back next time. Well, well, like in and- the Miami game, you felt great. We will be back in the red zone, yeah, we will be back in the red zone, probably. The next time we touch the football, in less than Oklahoma, five minutes, we'll be back. Right. But yeah, and and also up to that point, you you got to kind of trust the the defense a little bit because they've been able to hold their own up to that point against Oklahoma. I mean, obviously, if it's the first half, you're probably kicking it. But yeah, second half, you're 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 really kind of you're trying to get that ball in the end zone. It's like when you play the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, you're you're going to want to score touchdowns. You can't trade field goals for touchdowns. And so, yeah, I agree. Um, defensively, I, it seemed like a lot of 50-50 balls went the way of Oklahoma. I kind of mentioned this already. You know, first off, that that errant snap, that, you know, bounced off of, of – uh, His shoulder. Of, yeah. What's his freaking name? His shoulder. Dylan uh, yeah, Dylan Gabriel. Any other time, that's either going over his head or, it's, you know, it's going to kind of have the ability to kind of – 15 yards back. Right. That was the crowd. Like that was yeah. He was he was audibling. The center snapped it. Like thought he had the snap count. Mm-hmm. If that doesn't touch him, that thing is going towards the end zone. And best yeah. case, they pick it up and then they convert third and twenty six on a <laughs> run play up the middle. on a run play. Right. Um. The other one was was that backwards pass towards the end of the first half that 
literally somehow found legs and ran out of bounds. It literally ran ran out of bounds. I've, I've never seen a ball act that way. Uh, but, yeah, that happened. Um, My question, though, is, Brent. Yeah. The running back fell down. Right. There wasn't a defender within, like, eight yards. But right. Somebody should have been yeah. close enough to yeah. run to that ball and scoop it and take it to the end zone. The, yeah, the Jordan Young pick six potential. Um, I think that was a, a good play by Oklahoma. I think someone got a hand on, yeah. on Jordan Young's hand. Uh, but still, a, another situation where probably would have been able to at least intercept it at the very worst in good field position. But the off chance of, of taking that to the, the house. Bryant threat drop. Right, the Brian threats drop on I think the next the next play. Play, yeah. But and threats would have been able to return that one a good deal too. And, like. and threats kind of get uh, was that I felt like that was pass interference or it, it was kind of a weird scenario. It was, it was like a lot of commotion right there where the ball was being right thrown. Yeah, and then like it just bounced right off his chest. But I don't right know. Right through the bread basket. And then uh, yeah, it just seemed like a lot of a lot of things went their way. Um, but overall, defensively, I you know what you, you saw. Truly, how good Dante Corleone, Jawan Briggs, those 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 guys are, and they're amazing. He dominated the first quarter. Corleone yeah. dominated the first. Quarter. Dominant. I mean, it was a manhandling. Like he, if he didn't bring bring down the ball runner on a couple of those plays, he's he's getting to that second level potential to gain even more. When you have the ability to have your your nose tackle make a one on one tackle like that while shedding a block, it's it's just it's pretty doggone phenomenal. He is. Um, I thought Debo like, did had. You, did you catch the Oklahoma fans? All of them were like, "I wish we had a guy like that. Why don't we have <laughs> a nose tackle like that?" Right, just an animal. Um, I thought Debo probably had his best game as a Bearcat. Uh, Jonathan Thompson out there. Uh, you know, obviously Deshaun Pace was was out uh, with his suspension. Um, you know, I just. The, the multitude of different players stepping up was pretty – I mean, even Deion Hunter made a big play in the second half. I, you know, it's just a lot of different names getting thrown out there and, and producing against a team that has been pretty lights out offensively up to this point. So, um, anything – really good in flanks of Deshaun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt. And, it, you know – Sat didn't mention Deshaun will be back Friday at BYU. So, um, you know, one game, one game uh, detriment for him. So he'll be back. Um, but yeah, I mean, defensively, Royer, you can't, you know, you've already kind of glossed over it, but you can't really say too much more other than holding that team 30 points under their average, forcing Gabriel to be extremely uncomfortable the whole day. Um, I mean, sure, they got some rhythm going on a couple of drives, but outside of that, defense played pretty, pretty doggone lights out. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I thought, like I said, with uh, holding them to twenty points, I thought we'd win ten out of ten times. I mean, that's obviously you know the defense. I thought the defense was going to get let up more points and kind of be exposed in different ways, kind of with an Oklahoma style offense, but they really just held their own. I think our D line played as advertised. Mm -hmm. I think our secondary, um, it's just, I was telling y'all that 
we've been used to like such a good secondary. I mean, we had the Thorpe Award, we had Sauce, yeah, that Derek Forrest, Brian Cook. We've had mm-hmm. just unbelievable secondary. I think now it's we don't have those guys. We have good guys, and I think sometimes they're playing to their potential, and sometimes they're not playing as well as they should be. And I know they'd they'd be right there with me saying that they could play better. And that's you know it's kind of putting us in spots we're not really used to. Um, seeing from our DBs where whether it being getting beat deep or 50-50 balls not going our way or PIs and stuff that maybe we weren't getting called before because we were in better spots. Um, I think that's kind of been a little our, – our chink in the armor for for the defense right now. Um, yeah. yeah, and linebackers are kind of banged up too. Um, that didn't help. No. But they still play Look. damn good, dude. Damn good to be having Oklahoma at 20 points. Here's what I think's not being talked about. Um, and I, I just haven't seen it yet, so we'll go first like we always do. Um, th- there were early moments where the DBs seemed to have some trouble getting lined up. Yes, because no matter how how much you practice for that tempo, mm-hmm. it is different line. It, it is just yeah. different how fast they go. And I am going to give a huge like helmet sticker to the defense because Cincinnati ran more plays. They kept Oklahoma away from what they want to do, which is go fast and 8, 10, 12 yards you to death down the field over and over and over and over and over again. And Cincinnati did a great job like what they were, I know we talk about how bad Cincinnati was on third down. Oklahoma was only very marginally better. I think they only had six, six of 18, six of 17 on third down conversions. And that was the highest percentage. Six uh, of 16. Third down. Yeah, six of 16. That was the highest percentage third down conversion rate in the country. I think they were at like 60% coming into this game. Yeah, they were. So, and Gabriel them- was lights out. Yeah, in those scenarios, give too. them the defense even more credit for that because they did not let Oklahoma just what what it it's it's it was my what was my number one talking point last year that Aaron and I screamed at each other about over and over and over again was that part of the defense getting off the like like getting more rest and not being on the field all the time the tired get off the field on third down <laughs> you yeah. tired yourself out when you let the other team go nine for fourteen. On third down, like they did a phenomenal job keeping Oklahoma's offense off the field. Yeah. There's not even one time of possession and ran more plays. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma also averaged uh, a down distance to go of 9.1 on third down. Yeah. Like, so they did the same thing we're talking about. They, the defense put them in really difficult positions on third down. Part of that was because I, I didn't think, I didn't think Dylan Gabriel was under constant pressure. Um, he yeah. had a lot of time back there at times, including that one. He was ever, he was ever good. Like, I don't think he the was one that he airmailed. That was, he had all the time in the world and he, and that was a wide open, I wide mean, open six years, six yards. He might've been six years clear of the defense. Right. And, and he put <laughs> like, it, he put it three yards past him. I, yeah. Sometimes you just don't have the juice against, against certain teams. And, you know, this is by far his worst game of the year. You know, he still did get a rushing touchdown, had a had a uh, passing touchdown as well. But still, it's it's like, you know, something about playing at Nip, something about playing against the Bearcats. He he gets a little, 
little uh, little off, if you will. Um, but yeah, I mean that's a good team. It it, it truly is. They're obviously going to face a huge test against Texas. You know that'll be their their measuring stick um, barometer type game. But I mean that's a good team, and uh, I don't know. We could we could go on and on about different ways that that we could have figured it out. But in the end, it was twenty to six. I yeah, you know, I had the the you had numerous backups out there on defense. You had numerous chances on offense too. Just could not figure it out. Um, I don't know. And any closing things on this game? I mean, we could we could go on and on, but it just you know what you one of the best. His most historic teams in the Big 12 that's leaving after the season came into NIP, and the Bearcats, for the most part, gave them all they could handle, and especially the crowd giving them all they could handle as well. So I think overall it's not like an embarrassing showing that, you know, like 42 to, no, to 10, and you're like, yeah, and you're walking away like, oh, this we don't belong type, you know, garbage. But it, it, it was one where, yeah, it, there's some – Answers to questions that need to be be out there, but still, I thought overall it was a it was an okay Saturday minus the loss, more yeah. than respectable. Right. Now, right. there's no moral victories. You play no. to win the game. Right. But look, man, that could have been. If that thing gets ugly early, if Kansas is up twenty-one nothing at the end of the first quarter, or Oklahoma's up twenty-one nothing at the end of the first quarter, mm-hmm. and and we're talking about. This was supposed to be one of the magical days in Nippert Stadium history, and everybody left by halftime. Yeah, like, like it, it could have been real bad, mm-hmm. and it wasn't real bad. They didn't win. No, that's the goal. I, I don't take any moral victories from it. I'm not celebrating or championing playing Oklahoma close, right? But I thought they played in mo in many areas. They played well. Oklahoma played better, and that's what happens most of like. It, what did we talk about last week? Cincinnati was going to need what Miami got, which is everything, every 50-50 thing broke Go for Miami. Way. Yeah. In that game. Yep. Cincinnati didn't have what one of those 50-50 things broke for Cincinnati. 54 yard field goal. That's about the it. 54-yard field goal. You're right. That's the one thing. The one 50-50 thing that broke for Cincinnati. Right. Everything else didn't didn't bounce their way. You know, yeah. if that if the, that those the, the backward pass and, and the yeah. kickoff that rolled sideways out of bounds out the back of the end zone, those still haunt me. Now, right the, now. The third and nineteen. You're gonna get the ball back like at midfield. Yeah. Like oh, you I felt that same way until Emery did did the same thing, which I was, was like, "Whoa!" I guess we're trading yeah, third I mean, and nineteen conversion. You're at home; they're in your student section. Yeah. I don't know. I and, agree. But, but sure. Brett, the, the Emery thing—he escaped a path rush and like. Yeah, this is a design run. They, they ran up the middle. Yeah. And got twenty yards on third and nineteen. I didn't, I, yeah, I don't understand how that happened. You can't let that happen. No. Can't happen. Right. And yeah. Especially on what might have been the loudest snap in the history of Nippert Stadium. I'm telling you, that's that is the single loudest snap I've ever heard in the history of that stadium. And the guy goes for 20 yards on uh what a draw, a halfback draw up like off of 
off of center. Yeah. Live it to the left, cut it back right, and yeah. 21 yards later, first down. It's insane. Um like that, that was a that was a spine yeah. crushing situation. From the three, like okay, they get seven yards. They punt from the 10. Yeah. You get it at the 50, maybe your own 45 if they have a big punt. But and, that punter was dreadful. And also, Chad, terrible. Chad, how about how about back to that deep with that crowd on fourth down trying to get a punt? Right. I I mean it's just yeah, I don't know. I shout one last shouts to uh to the boy Mason Fletcher. Man, he's got he did Great like game. He did four different punts that all had pos- positive finishes. It was just that's just Mason Fletcher for you. Um, yeah, I don't know. Anything in closing on this one, guys? You got on to BYU Friday night, quick turnaround, 10:30 p.m. kickoff. Determined live nightcap after the game. <laughs> we lose that game, we will spiral. I will I will plant that flag right now. Only a two point spread in that game. I I've I've had it as a law. Like I've had them at two and you guys three. agree with me? Or am I crazy? No. I, I mean I don't like maybe they will. Like the bye, bye week and then bye week and then uh, homecoming Iowa against State. Iowa State. Like yeah. that's that is a picture perfect. Like we're midway through the season. Let's get healthy, let's figure things out. And let's go out and beat Iowa State. I just think so, Karen, they all like go a, on that play. They miss two it's times. an attitude check. It's kind of like an attitude yeah. check because if you have your, if you like, you win the first two games and everyone's feeling good, and then yeah, let's see how you respond. All now. hell breaks loose. Then you get beat again, and then you get beat a third time. It would kind of just be like, where's the locker room at? How are the guys? You know, new staff, new locker room. I would just be nervous on yeah, things getting out fair. of control. Yeah. But that's fair. For sure. I'd like to believe that wouldn't happen, but that would be my my bet. It'd be if we lose the game, it's more likely that things will go south. Royer, have you ever trained in elevation? I have not. That's another I I didn't even think about that. I wonder. I wonder what what that truly will be, kind of a factor or not. Yeah, that's a good point. Especially with how you know seems like pretty beat up and tough back to back games and a short week. So hey, hey, we all circled this one. No, no one's gonna be a tough one, but BYU is also a little beat up and just had you know a really tough game against a Kansas team that that likes to run it right at you. They're pretty physical, right? Yeah, and that's not what you think of when you think of Kansas football. That's Kansas team that's pretty physical. I mean, good old Kansas man. Two two points just went up to two and a half. I, gosh, that that line against Oklahoma was weird too, man. I tell you what, dropped after the the bomb that that Tad Brendel posted on on old Twix that he likes to call it. It was weird, but uh, you know that's that game twenty to six. Weird, weird score. But hey, in the Big 12, got to move on. He's got another tough one the, the next week. So um, BYU this upcoming weekend. Let's, yeah, let's that's, time that's, well, Welcome to big time football. Right. You played right. well, the loss against Oklahoma. Now you got to you gotta go Friday night to the mountains. You mean Temple doesn't come to town? No. There, there's uh, no ECU after a big game. 
Ah, dang. Cincinnati not not finding the end zones becoming a theme as uh, the Bengals go into the half with two field goals. Hey, it's a it's a field goal party. Anyway, um, quick time stamp. Quick time stamp, or can can I do the normal one? The old quick paper supply time stamp, I'd say. Quick paper supply, your local and family-owned restaurant supply company for all your non-food products. Quick Paper services 150 restaurants with weekly low minimum next day deliveries. They provide a wide range of food service products from to-go containers, cups, custom printed products, eco-friendly, and much more. There's some cleaning and restroom supplies for all your janitorial needs. Call Nick, 513-470-2029, and reference Bearcats for 20% off your first month of purchases. Wow. I I like that little change in, in, you know, reflection in your voice or, you know, complexion. It was just nice and wavy it was kind of like a, they also have it was, it was that's a good read that there. was my, my daughter is coming down with the cold and she's standing like right here breathing on me mm. you're, you're getting sick get away back she just, up she just knew that we had a nice opening uh segment about old t swizzle and she wanted to get in there and get oh uh, you should have last... seen her last night when i when i told jason that she wants to talk to him about taylor and he actually responded like she was like, I'm gonna meet Taylor. I'm gonna meet Taylor. There is a non-zero percent chance. Just just hang on to that as much as you can, Kelsey. He said the same thing I said, Aaron. Aaron's gonna leave now. He said now there is a non-zero percent chance that you might meet Taylor Swift. Yeah, I have a better chance than I did before. Right. That's fair. Hey. I bet if you told Travis when he was, you know, 12, 13 years old that he'd be dating an icon like that, he would have said, <laughs> no way. No, Travis would have been like, you're goddamn right. <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah. Thinking back on it now. Um, real quick, obviously, the uh, football recruiting side of things. Zach Clark commits to the Bearcats, uh, former Western Michigan commit. Big size, six foot six, two seventy. 270. Um, Chad? What do you know about uh, old Zach Clark, the big fella, offensive tackle? I know this is a matter of senior tape, and it has become such a thing of the past because recruiting classes are often cemented now by July. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, this staff has kept a handful of spots open for senior tape evals. Uh, mm -hmm. This is one of those senior tape evals that they felt was, was better than where he was committed. Yeah. Um, and was a guy with the type of like size and athleticism that they're looking for from a tackle. Mm -hmm. So they brought him in, I think, for the Eastern Kentucky game. Um, and they made that push to land him and they got him. You know, the thing about him for me is just legit size. Um, I know the last staff like to try and get the the dudes that kind of, pounders. They yeah, wanted 300 pounds. Out. Right. Yeah, exactly. Already filled out, but I mean, he he kind of fits that Ethan Green mold where it's kind of you know, hey, let's let's get a big old frame and let's see what we can do with it. And uh, you think this is one of those guys where if his senior tape was coming during his junior year, he probably blows up to the point where it's it, it's a lot of teams after him. So um, at least that's what I've been able to gather from from the different posts and whatnot. So uh, yeah, big big fella Zach Clark coming on in. And it's funny because you saw a lot of the recruits' re replies to his commitment was like, "That's a big boy, the big man, things like that." Right. So, you know, that's a when you have that, that's nothing but positivity coming in, especially on that offensive line. Um, 
speaking of big calls, I, look, especially yeah. outside zone, like if you're if you want your offensive lineman moving, yeah, you're gonna have to do more of this mm-hmm. six, six two fifty instead of you know six five three twenty. Like right. you know, and I, I, I always Brady was so good. Like, why didn't they trust him? Why did why where was the disconnect that Brady's gonna get him there? Like on getting some of these guys that are bigger and a little bit more athletic that take maybe a, a little bit more time to develop, but like the long run, that guy that's six six two seventy, when he gets to six six three ten, he's still gonna be pretty damn athletic. Yeah. As opposed to the guy that's six six three thirty and you gotta cut him down to six six three fifteen. And you know, I just I don't know. I didn't I didn't get why they didn't trust Brady with that more on taking developmental tackles and and letting him mold them. Like I understand going out and getting six four, three hundred and twenty pound guards for the old system. Like that yeah. makes sense. But like a tackle, like go get some guys that you know you got to spend a little time nurturing. That maybe because you did that, it pays off a little more in the long run. I just thought that the tackle recruiting was at times short sighted. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, that kind of would explain a little bit about what's happening uh, now. Obviously, a lot of you know people left during the the coaching change and whatnot, but. Um, Ethan Green, though, got glowing reviews during the offseason. He kind of yeah. fits that mold that you're mentioning. So, uh, you know, and, and Aaron's, Aaron's boy, old Ethan. So we'll, uh, we'll see. That's 21 now in the incoming class. So that's, that's a large class. Yeah. Hat tip to the staff for making some moves. I think we're going to see uh, another big number of newcomers by the time we hit uh, higher ground next year. I mean, welcome to college football or college sports in the year 2023-24. I think that's just going to continue to happen, especially when people see what happened at certain programs. I'm not going to mention Colorado because they kind of had a a, a weird week, and I think uh, True Colors will start to show there a little bit. But teams that had big big overhauls, whether it be incoming recruits or whether it be transfer portal players, that they tend to have pretty solid starts to the year. So a healthy mix of both is is probably something that's going to be pretty common amongst the teams that are up at the top of the uh, top of the sport. So yeah. Um, one other thing, speaking of big fellas, Gavin Grover was at the game on uh, Saturday. Dude is huge. That that is a it's a big fella right there. That's going to be receiving uh, catches passes from. That was a big. He was a big looking dude. Like he in person, cute. he looked big. He did. He did, and he's had a good season so far. Yep, he's had a good season so far this year. Um, obviously, high-level recruits going to Cincy are you're going to have a good year for your high school team, and uh, he has not been short of uh, prolific stats and uh, good performances. Um, now, on the basketball recruiting side of things, during the pod, yes, it was mentioned in the chat a little bit. Um, LeBaron Phylon. No longer on the board as a an available recruit. He was on a visit to Kansas this past weekend, and he turned that visit into a commitment. So, um, one of the names to track is now no longer a name to track. But there were two official visitors this past weekend. 
One brought a special friend that is a friend of the pod, a friend of the uh, the network, and a friend of Chad. Uh, Kane Broom came with uh, Tyler Bessie, and, and I'll tell you what, Kane's got some pretty nice ice on those fingers. He had had and not one championship rings. Yeah, had had two, both of the championship yeah. rings, rocking them. Um, Tyler Bessie, and then of course Jason Richardson was on hand as well. His dad, Jason Richardson, was there looking like he could still go out. Like and, he's you know, like he was twenty three years old. Yeah, the man. Does, he has hasn't aged. aged no, not even a little bit. Looks Crazy. Like he can go out and compete in the dunk contest right now. Um, <laughs> he probably you know, He obviously that's a big recruiting weekend. Um, whole staff was on hand. Everyone also Sadiq White and Jalen Reese. Uh, okay. So a five star and a four star. The Jalen Reese one I hadn't I hadn't dropped on anybody yet. Jalen Reese was here with his his dad, uh, who is a Cincinnati native. Um, so. So a couple impressive 25s as well. But, yeah, the, the focus is going to be on the 24s. Obviously, with Jace, I, I think uh, Keegan talked to him tonight. So that article will be up as soon as he uh, gets done writing it. Um, hopefully tomorrow, but maybe Wednesday, given tomorrow is our uh, full-scale day at uh, – on campus. Are they still um, doing that same schedule, obviously? Uh, yeah, the press conference and, at yeah. noon and then the practice right after as the puppies are getting after it. <laughs> um, they, they they get excited about when we talk about recruiting. Oh, so, babe. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think with Jace, like, can you beat either Alabama and or Michigan State? Um, yeah, that's what, yeah. It seems like. You know, Cincinnati's got an uphill battle, but we'll see, you know, how much the visit changed that fact, like how much Wes was able to talk to, to mom and dad and, and get them on board. Uh, from everything I've heard, it's going to be Jason's decision. It's not going to be just, uh, you know, dad went to Michigan State, so I'm going to Michigan State or, right. you know, whatever the case may be. So um, that one's going to be a battle, though. You're, you're going to have to win that one. Uh, Tyler Betsy, I feel good about. I, you know, I, I think Alabama and Cincinnati are kind of the the two front runners there. Alabama's recruiting a couple other guys kind of for that same spot where he is, you know, mm-hmm. the primary target uh, for that that opening uh, from Wes Miller and staff. So um, I think you can approach it a little differently if you're Wes. Like, look, we're, we don't really we don't we have focused on you for that spot. Like we're not, we're not hedging our bets. We are all in on getting you to come here and be the guy that fills that, that stretch for uh, hopefully eventually kind of bigger three uh, type spot. He kind of looked like more, I mean, obviously we're just judging off someone in street clothes, um, but looked like, you know, he had a frame where you could at least, be that potential three, you know, morph into wow, mo- his game's mo- a little bit more of a combo. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. I'm just saying he he just didn't look like you know. You see Tyler McKinley, and you say that that's a big man. He's a you know he's a mean? big guy. Yeah, Tyler's yeah. a big guy. Right, but no, the, the problem, not the problem, but like with Betsy, his game right now is stretch four. Like yeah. that's that's where his game is at. Like it's it's he's not even like it's going to take him a couple years of development. If he mm-hmm. wants to be like a big wing three, yeah. um, he just, he, he doesn't deck it. Like he, he's not beating anybody off the bounce. He's mm-hmm. not, you know, straight line and closeouts, things like that at this point yet. Right. But he's long, 
He can shoot the shit out of it. And he's a good athlete. He can defend. My biggest, like, question mark with him, if he's going to be a stretch four, I need to see more rebounding. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's on the staff. Like, when you bring the guy in, you tell him, like, <laughs> you're going to have to you're gonna have to be a factor. So got, so got to develop him, you know. <laughs> right, right. Um, but, you know, he, he's a top 30 kid for a reason. Right. Like, he can really, really shoot it for a guy that's 6'8". Six seven and a half, six eight, whatever he is. Um, so I think they're in a really good spot on that one. It doesn't hurt having Kane in his ear every pretty, day. Pretty doggone nice link right there. Well, what what did Kane do here? They were a two seed. Mm-hmm. They won conference championships. They won conference tournaments. Like you know, Kane can tell him every great thing about Cincinnati every day. Yeah, every day. So and, that doesn't hurt. And from my understanding, uh, I think his family really, really enjoyed Cincinnati. So yeah. that's a plus. Well, and and you saw, you know, he posted on Instagram, and and Troy was in his mentions, Justin Jennifer in his mentions, obviously Kane in the mentions. You know, I just kind of, I I think he probably sees that bond that Kane has made with with the players that he played with during his time here, and. It's like okay, well, yeah. I mean, this seems like you know, glowing reviews from from Kane, and uh, so yeah, we'll see. Um, a lot of Alabama in the mix. I know they had what what Darian Reed dropped his his top three. That's a five that stars. Like small Florida, forward, yeah. Florida and Alabama. Yeah. So Florida if State, yeah, Georgia, I think yeah, Georgia pulled it's, up. It's one of the other two. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Florida State, but uh. That is one thing that if he chooses Bama, that that only helps you in the process of trying to right. convince one Tyler Bessie to to uh, come on and, and join the Bearcats. Um, practices firing up by here shortly for the basketball team. They were allowed today. I don't know if they practiced today. I'll I have a better answer on that tomorrow. Okay, uh, as to when they're going to officially start. Some coaches want to do it like on day one. Right. Some they get like forty five days out from the first game. Right. Some coaches just don't want to have to work in. Like, if you start today, you got to work in a bunch of off days. Yeah. Like an extra three or four off days between now and the start. Some coaches like to wait three, four, five days before they mm-hmm. they jump in. So I should know tomorrow. Um, I think if they would have had their first practice today, we would have seen a bunch of social media about it. Yeah. Well, and uh, also there is a uh, – Big 12 should be releasing the schedule sometimes. Well, apparently the full schedule comes out tomorrow. Okay. That's cool. what we were sent an email. That'll be big time. Yeah. Excitement, man. Basketball is right around the corner. It is right there. Yeah. I mean, it is exciting. Um, but yeah, so so we'll have obviously a lot more team news and and with obviously the bye week coming up uh next week for the football team, I'm sure we can I added a little bit more basketball week talk and uh, things of that sort. So we'll have more of that there. Next uh, week will be a heavy basketball week. I'll see if I can see what that Miller guy's up to. Hey, baby. Hey, now. Um, Let's go ahead and time stamp this and mailbag it up. That is the Quick Paper Supply Time Stamp, your local and family-owned restaurant supply company. They provide mostly disposable restaurant supplies, products like to-go containers, cups, pizza boxes, to-go bags, can liners, napkins, etc. They've been open since 2009. 
They are one of the largest minority-owned companies in the city. Call my guy, Nick, 513-470-2029, and reference Bearcats for 20% off your first month of purchases. All right, the mailbag, not too full this week, but uh, there are some long questions. So we will get through this as quickly as possible because mm. I want to go watch this game. <laughs> uh, we were spoiled in recent years by the construction. This is the football portion of the mailbag. We were spoiled in recent years by the construction updates with Nippert and Fifth Third Arena. Is the UC Athletic Department doing anything similar with the new practice facility, or have I missed updates? If not, would BCJ consider some additional reporting for us? Note, I live out of town, and I have not been able to get to campus recently to see it for myself. Thanks. That is not something they would let us do. So no, uh, one, two, it is just dirt right now. So they're just moving around dirt um, and, and getting things organized for the construction. There's really nothing to update at this point. Uh, I'm sure UC understands the value of making those updates on social media. So as things come together, uh, I would guarantee they will get you inside the facility and, and get you looks at, at what is happening. Um, I will say I did maybe get a little look at the basketball locker room. Impressive. Impressive. Supposed to be done by October. Supposed to be done by Halloween. So we got a little over a month left, but uh, from what I have gathered, it is coming together very nicely, and it is what this should have looked like from the start. They should not have half-assed the locker rooms like they did. That is completely on the previous administration. Got boned. Accountable on that. Like, what they put together was minor league. It was Cracker Jack box. It was tiny. There was no anything that like and i i have seen some others like i got a first-hand tour of ucla's practice facility and their locker room situation it embarrassed what was down underneath fifth third arena um and now this is going to be pretty sweet uh, i'm excited for when everybody will be able to get a look at it here uh in a month or so it's it's Nice. All right. Uh, over under two and a half touchdowns versus BYU. I really wanted to go one and a half. I'll go over. I think they get some things figured out this week. Yeah, I agree. Give over. Give me over. All right. Uh, do any of you dislike Urban Meyer as much as I do? Yes. Uh, Kerry Hoffman was being way too kind, <laughs> calling him a reluctant prodigal bearcat. His lack of acknowledgement of his and his family's ties to UC are pitiful to me. Did his OHIO attempt piss you off like it did me? If he's embarrassed by UC, stay the hell away. Well, he can't stay away because his, his job literally brought him here. So there's that. He's a Buckeye. He's always wanted to be a Buckeye. He loves the Buckeyes. And he just wasn't good enough to UCs. be a Buckeye. You will just view UC as the little brother, and he's proud of his Buckeye shit. Ah. But, but, right. It's fucking infuriating. His grandpa was a Bearcat. His sister's a Bearcat. He's a Bearcat. His son is a Bearcat. <laughs> For you not to embrace that, fuck you. 
I'm, I'm and, dead serious. Like, I look. Did he really expect people to do OHUC? No one has ever in the history of ever no, done that he shit. He expected them to do IO. But no one was going to do that either. No one was going to do that either. That even Cincinnati is a Buckeye no. uh, suburb. It's Especially not, on campus. Not he on campus. He knows better. He, during, like, during pregame for a game. Fuck him. Like, like if you're like, own, own who you are. He's not being true. Like, that's what makes a good broadcaster. What makes an interesting broadcaster is somebody who's authentic. He is not authentic in his representation of his connection to UC. If he hated UC, his son wouldn't have been at UC for five years. Six years. How long How, how long was he here? <laughs> he was here for five years, yeah. Yeah, I would and like to coach. see him be... A- yeah, I would like to see him be a little more acknowledgeable and respectful towards UC. Shit, I wanted us to, from UC. I wanted us to hire him. <laughs> but but I, this is why you can't. Yeah. He has disdain for the place that made him. Fuck that. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know. Maybe I, well, it's it's the Columbus shit. Yes, you shit, do. Man. Yes, you do. But I don't I don't know why it exists. Because he's a sellout. He's an elitist. He wants to he wants his name to be associated with only a blue blood. Only the best of the best. So I'm having it associated is... with Cincinnati is is lesser to him. He's hoping it'll it's never up. be associated with his time in Jacksonville ever again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Do you feel like the NCAA schedule could go to 13 regular season games in 15 weeks, have the week zero be the versus FCS week, then Labor Day weekend be the rivalry big fans weekend? Who says no? Coaches. Me. No, do not. Um, we you'd have to readjust to the NFL. You'd, you'd have to readjust the TV contracts. Here's the problem. They're already having a hard time selling this 12-game playoff because it adds – four extra games to the the top 12 teams, it would be impossible to couple that with. They need to stop. 12 is enough. I, but I would love, like, if you're, what, if you're the thir- best. Give me 13 problem. regular season games. Who cares? I want more football. Never it's stop. like when people complain about expanding the NCAA basketball tournament. What are you mad about? I want to watch more basketball. I want to watch more football. <laughs> give me 13 weeks. I don't play. My body's not at stake here. I mean, I love football. I love playing. I just think that I just know the way this fucking society works. It can never get enough once you fucking, once you allow the first domino to fall, it's just going to be a mess. And you're going to end up with, why don't we just do 15 games? And then you have to win like 21 to be a national champion. It's just like. I'm for it. 12 is. Well, now you have to win what fifteen? Like that's plenty. That's plenty of wins. Well, you don't have to win fifteen. I'm sorry. You pl- you play fifteen if you win the national championship. But unless you're Notre Dame, and you only play fourteen because you're so, you got it easy. So to answer your question, Mark Ryan says no. <laughs> 
rank and comment upon these four plays in order of pain and how it impacted the game. Consider game time and score. If any two of these four have a positive result, could we have won? Number one, Shaman Mateo's drop at the very least first and 10 at the 15. Number two, Peyton Singletary failing to come down with a very catchable pass inside the 10 yard line. It was not very catchable. I'd argue that right now. I strongly if, disagree with that. If that if that goes to any receiver who's six two or better, then maybe it's a very catchable pass. But he's six four. Six four. Well, it then I don't know. It 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 looked low. He would have to be Manute Bull. I'm I'm saying from the angle or, I was looking at from the, I guess the, pa- the, the pass looked low. Let's get it a little. It was way anyway. high. Let's get it uh, a little bit not, more. For not, the, not, uh, not catchable. Current game. He'd have to be Victor Wembanyama. From my vantage point, it looked like it hit both hands. It didn't. I can't imagine it hit both hands. Uh, Oklahoma's third and 19 conversion from the three. We were likely catching that punt on their side of the 50. Or Peyton Singletary failing to catch the fourth and two pass inside the 20. The pass hit both hands. He was in double there coverage. Were three guys in the vicinity yeah. of Peyton Singletary in that play. If he, yeah, if, two if guys open to the left. One head swing. D. Wiggins is wide open. On the left hand side. So one, the third and 19, two, the Shaman drop, and three and four. I disagree completely with your assessment of those uh, on the My second, scale. Chad. Yeah. I, I, uh, I the Byron Bryant <laughs> threats drop interception would be three, and four would be the missed field goal going into the half. Well, and also, I think uh, the football literally making legs like creating legs and running out of bounds on the backwards on the, yeah that one that one is right up there as well and that's, that's unbelievable five. unbelievable come up with five. the two Peyton Singletary ones way down the list all right uh Oklahoma took a page right out of Miami's playbook and focused on the a gap they blitzed it they overloaded it what is the adjustment that needs to be considered I think we talked right. ad, ad nauseum on that didn't we yeah I know but uh let's let's get Ryan's one last look. Yeah, uh, kind of just motioning to kind of try to pick up third down blitzes or just second down blitzes too. Uh, quick motion too to kind of keep them on their toes. Is he going to be involved in a jet or an option? or And then kind of keeping them on their heels, seeing what you can pick out of them. And then some sort of lap, some something to, that's different than a QB draw that's like a, a screen that's kind of off tackle screen or some sort of – like quick, quick lateral play that can get the ball outside the tackle quickly. Um, stuff like that, I think, too. Because you're going to have to – and you got to run the ball. you got to find a way that teams can't just blitz up the A-gap on third down because it's third and nine. you got to have more manageable situations on – so better plays on first and second down. That's kind of a quick recap for you. <laughs> All right, and if you had known prior to the game that we would control the clock and limit Oklahoma to 20 points, would you have projected a Bearcat win? Um, It was talked about on the nightcap Saturday night. It was talked about on the brunch Sunday morning. It was talked about here. Every show we've done outside of the Big 12 recap, we have discussed that we all would agree uh, if we had all known. At At minimum, if you would have told me they held Oklahoma to 20, I would have told you Cincinnati had the football with a chance to win in the fourth. Right. Yeah. Minute. Which we did not Minute. have. 
<laughs> which they did not have. You know, you know, yeah, Aaron. Aaron, I was yeah. thinking about it. Our our score predictions were like eerily good if Cincinnati could have just gotten the ball into the end zone. I mean, it was just uh, whatever. They were both they were both wrong. Yeah, but they were actually in good contention. But both very wrong. Both wrong. Both wrong. I had a lead about <laughs> ten. Was anybody? I that was. I had an Oklahoma ten point win. Yeah, I had it. Or, I thought it was going to be uh, like a seven, a seven point game. If you didn't call twenty I would be on wax. <laughs> I thought it was going to be anywhere from four to seven. I thought it, we I, we were going to have to score a touchdown. We couldn't have just got a field goal to tie it or some shit. If you would, have, if you would have send, if you would send in your predictions, your predictions would be on wax, and then you could refer to oh, them. All right, I'm going to do it this week. Okay, I'm going to do it this week. Don't hold your breath. Remember, the game is on Friday, Royer, so be ready on Thursday. <laughs> Shit! <laughs> That's the football portion of the mailbag. Moving on <laughs> to the basketball portion of the mailbag. Wow. Uh, with visits completed for some of the main 24 targets, Richardson, Betsy, etc., and commitments likely coming in the next few months, as you see considered to currently be in the lead for any of them. LeBaron Phyla. Uh, I think they're right there with Alabama for Tyler Betsy. I think Richardson, they've they they've got work to do. But then uh, you know, we'll see how much of an impact this visit had on him. Um and and what they learned from Cincinnati's complete sales pitch. Uh Tyler Perry, that one's been quiet. Like I, I think he's visited Mizzou uh recently. Who Mizzou has been hot. Mizzou might end up with the number one recruiting class in the country with this cycle. They have been hot. Um, but, you know, we'll see. I, I, but if, of, of the ones that they're involved in, I would say they're the, in the best position with Tyler Betts. All right. Um, moving on to the uh, next question in the basketball mailbag. Will there be any exhibition games this year? Wes Miller is a super secret scrimmage guy. Uh, he has not had an exhibition game in his two years uh, prior. I would not expect one this year either. Okay. You you read that wrong. Exhibit game. We don't do that. <laughs> what are you Look, most – If he ever does that again, I might fire him on the spot. We don't do that here. <laughs> wrong with this fucking guy. <laughs> I was talking about pimp my ride. That was all I was. No, talking I don't about. care what you were talking you know. about. If you ever do that again, I agree. I agree. There was a minor lapse of of yeah. <laughs> I removed myself. If I'm being honest, you didn't even press at that time. I removed myself. <laughs> what are you most excited to see regarding tomorrow's schedule release? When do they play at Kansas? Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. Really for the ages. We're getting to the point. I might have to rent two passenger vans for that trip. Because everybody oh. wants to come. Only if Royer goes. God damn it. Mo's coming. Mo. Aaron, Aaron's coming. Whoa. Aaron, Brent, me. Royer. Amy. Royer. We got to find out when, when's the Kansas game. Roy and I are know. shotgunning a beer we're, every week. We're driving through Illinois past Brett. Is every, he not every going? Hour? 
He said I, my name. Do we, I don't, I, do we drive through? Oh, Peoria Brett. To Brett. Go there? Yeah. Brett. Yeah. Brett. Yeah. Mr. Stein. Um. I might have to get two. One this might next. Not be enough. I might have to get two passenger vans. This next question I don't really think is part of the, the basketball portion of the mailbag, so I moved it to the banks. Um, but which do you miss more, the NCAA football video games or college hoops 2K games? ESPN, college hoops 2K5 might be the greatest sports game ever, in my opinion. I'm literally still playing NCAA 14, so that, that it's that one for me. Tell me who who's an All-American this past year. He's always got his back turned <laughs> it's only on the bcj pod and i have not missed anything on the bcj pod who's the uh, quarterback these days still... i don't know i'm three years away from the the roster that i updated to was the i don't know it doesn't matter no one cares did you start royer down in cincinnati did you start royer Yes. Royer wasn't on the game on the roster that was available. Uh, what? God, dude, that's bullshit. Yeah, that's that. That's a that's a horrible friend. Unbelievable. Ryan, Unbelievable. When when the new game comes out, I will put you in, and your signature move will be this. Let's go. And you'll have the 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 large the war paint. piece of square war paint. The Frogman paint, yeah. Joe Mixon. All right. I, I saw Joe Mixon in the press box. Good job on the touchdown. As did might I. Nice, might might been a nice because I I I bumped him like this. Like, what's up, Joe? Still trying to figure out why Drake Kirkpatrick was there. That didn't make any sense. That's my favorite fist bump, Brent. The bump. The yeah the yeah because here. because like it's it's easy you right. know it's just. I, like I like that one because if well. you come like this, like, you're like, "Is this guy punching it's, me?" What, it's what's going on? Here? Like, yeah, like I like the I like the side. Bone. All right, uh, rapid fire from oh, skins. Gosh, Royer, get ready. In honor of Jimmy Buffett, R.I.P. If you had to become a bartender working at Tiki Bar on the beach, where would this bar be located? Whew. Key West. Good answer. So the reason the reason Key West is a great answer is because almost all the people that are there are service industry people that like live there. So everybody, like from what I've heard of that culture, yeah, it's just everybody that works there tipping everybody fat because they're all part of it. San Diego. They also don't they also don't really get hit by hurricanes very often in actual no, Key West. Yeah, they're yeah. like up, the, up the coast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, San Diego, because it's the greatest beach community on earth. Like it's 78 every day and 52 every night. And I, I that for sure. Uh, if I was going international, all inclusive resort in Jamaica. Oh, about say, where at in Jamaica? Right near the beach, boy. <laughs> I love the rapid fire chat. It's my favorite thing. Oh, worse. <laughs> what you got, Royer? Where are you going? Uh, I, I'd probably go with Key West, too. I'll, I'll be the bandwagon. 
I bet you could make a shit ton of money as a as a bartender down there. And that uh, would be fun. <laughs> just get a little get a little uh a little tropical shirt on and just make some drinks, drink some of my own my own work. Right. The only so downside is there, the beaches in Key West actually suck. Like they're, they're, yeah. they 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 suck good. suck. Brent? Man, I tell you what. Uh, Indianapolis. I, I mean, shoot. Yeah, I'd, I'd open up a fatty boy here in Indy. No, no no way. Um, Shoot. I mean, Key West is the correct answer. I'm just trying to trying to go a little, little, uh, little off. I think San path. Diego is the only alternate answer in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I the beachcomber there in San Diego still, still thanks me for a couple of memorable nights, you know. A handful of years I ago. I told you guys my Tijuana story, right? We lived in, well, this is the one I can tell. I can't TV. tell mine on air, but yeah. I can tell this yeah. one on TV. Okay. Not all of them. The first time we ever, so we lived in LA. We lived in Hermosa Beach. We had friends that lived in Chula Vista, right, basically just north of the border. So we went to visit them. We went to Tijuana. We walked across the border. As soon as you walk down the steps, there's a tiki bar. They had three Coronas for $2. And we oh. sat there for 13 hours and drank Coronas. We didn't move. We didn't go. To, wait, we literally made it five steps inside of Mexico and <laughs> sat at a table at this tiki bar and drank three Coronas for $2 for like 11, oh, 12 so hours. I feel like it was, the, it's one of my greatest Coronas in Mexico ever. are even better, I feel oh, like. Oh, oh. Oh, Dude, everything Accurate. like I don't know what is everything when I went to an all inclusive in Mexico, like yeah. every any drink, any liquor, any beer, it it's US Cate. like like the same brand, but if you drink it in the States, it's just twenty thousand times better in Mexico. Oh, yeah, it's like Skyline tastes better in Cincinnati. Except water. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, in yeah. honor of <laughs> gotta be bottled water. Gotta be bottled water. You're right. You're right. Maybe in honor uh, of maybe Hawaii would be a, another option. Um, Ooh, yeah, well. good idea. Yeah, because because yeah. then it's you're because because you become that that uh you know a permanent vacationer that way. It depends on which island right now. Um, in honor of Oklahoma coming to town last Saturday, which barbecue is better, Texas, Memphis, or North Carolina? Texas, Texas, yeah. Texas forever. Mm. I don't no, I like, haven't had any of them. Um, you make some good burn ends, Chad. Yeah, I'm a so big Kansas burn City. Guy. Kansas City would probably, like, because of the burn ends, be be my number one. Um, Memphis, I just there's not enough sauce in Memphis. It's too dry. Like, I love their dry mm. rubs in Memphis, but I like if I want barbecue, like if I want barbecue, I want barbecue sauce. And in North Carolina, it's too vinegary. It's not. It's not thick enough. Yeah, hit me with that. I like Texas more of the man. Carolina gold, the mustard Carolina sauce, not the that, vinegary. That big boy this, Texas move. This this second half is way more fun. Uh, I'm really hoping <laughs> yes. we get through this quick. Uh, with the cats going to Provo <laughs> to play BYU, what would be a more titillating road trip, Provo or Tulsa? Provo, Bro. based on the views. Yeah, Provo strictly based on the awesome views. Place. Provo for yeah. the views. Mm. I'm getting. I'm sorry, I'm getting no. Yeah, 
all of us have yeah. ours silenced, but uh, <laughs> we can hear yours. Aaron, are you like, are you never mind? Anyway. I no, saw where you were going with that. Ah. All right. In honor of FC Cincinnati, hopefully wrapping up the MLS Supporters Shield this weekend, what team in the city do you think will be the next to win a championship? The one with Joe Burrow. Like, if you have Joe Burrow, you, you should win at least one. I'm not sold enough on the Reds, like, young core that I think they're going to be a playoff, like a regular, like, good team. But, like, when I watch the Braves – or like the Dodgers from the past couple of years, or the Astros, like Cincinnati Bait, the Reds are nowhere close to that. I'll take the team with Joe Burrow. Is Two feet his, in. Maybe, uh, maybe calf, it's FC. Maybe it's FC. Is his calf know. similar to some of the barbecue uh, racked ribs that we were just describing earlier? Is it falling off the bone, or are we healthy? It might be. I, mean, I, I saw a doctor <laughs> saying his calf is oh. atrophied. Oh, we doing the oh. like it's the, decaying. The like meat check, it's, it's you hold it. decaying. Did you do this? <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> Slides right out. Mm, nice. Twitter's all over the the Joe Burrow like lay. That's, yeah. I think that's Cleveland Twitter, Ryan, not Cincinnati Twitter. Get <laughs> out of here! All right, two feet in, ten toes down. Aaron, you didn't say your pick for it. I'm never going to be high on FC Cincinnati. West Miller, baby. West Miller. Um. Cool. I don't know. I'll go with I'll go with the Bengals, but I don't think any team is going Let's go Red Legs. There's, there's not going to be a championship in Cincinnati in the next two decades. So oh, relax. relax. Two feet in, ten toes down. Whole Let's city's go. curse. Don't don't blame Dana Beers. Get out of here. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I might have uncovered the greatest dad joke of all time. Thoughts, uh, D Monk. Don't read this. It's stupid. Too long. Didn't read. <laughs> It's done. I, I, I've heard the joke. It's a terrible joke. T-O-D-R. That, that Brent guy stopped writing articles a while ago. I, That's not. the mailbag. Get us out of here, bro. Royer, what's an 80-year-old man's penis smell like? <laughs> I don't know. You tell Depends. me. Ah, uh, yeah. Yes. Chad has said that one. It's always good. I tell you what. Gets better every time. It's my favorite dad joke. Hey now, what, it hey depends now. on if Brent gets to him first. Oh, <laughs> wow, Royer. That there we great. go. Um, you know what? Hey, 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 big shout out to uh, Homefield Apparel for sponsoring that BVP mailbag. Um, shouts, of course, always to uh, PPK 23 is your discount code 15% off homefieldapparel.com. BCJ23. Of course, big shout out to Quick Paper Supply for their time stamps. Big shout out to Danco Transmission and Auto Care. We love you, Danco Joe. Uh, game on Friday. Big game. 10.30 p.m. kick. Find a nice place to, to hunker down and watch that one. I tell you what, could be a dandy. Provo heading back old to BYU, the Cougs. Uh, of course, basketball. A lot of things happening this week. And then bye week next week. So we'll be diving into more round ball here coming up soon. But uh, you know what? If that's it and that's all, big shouts, big thanks, big loves to uh, my guys, my pals, all my uh, – the uh, trio of brethren here. Aaron Smith, Chad Brendel, Ryan Royer. I am Brent Young. Yet another fantastic BBP presented by BearcatJournal.com. See ya!